Ja, hallo und herzlich willkommen zu einer weiteren Another Session of the Corona Investigative Committee, Session number 116. We call it See All Its Working Power. That is the completion of a statement by Mephisto from Faust, where he looks into the question of what keeps the world together at its innermost and his wish to find this out and um, this is uh, means get into action and get out of the words that's what we want to focus on what can we do for ourselves and a part of that of course is the enlightenment work even if it is work because words because that can lead you to action tell you what you can improve and what you can do as we have come to the conclusion that we have to rethink many things as we are looking into the different aspects and where we have to find our own ways. And uh, in this context, I'd like to give you a short mission statement on our committee work here. Uh, we have founded this committee more than two years ago with the goal to look into the consequences of the actions and the danger of the virus as we have heard that uh, fantastic narrative which we did doubt and uh, can clearly see that this is not fact-based anymore and um, we hear and listen to many people in the committee who give us information on many different aspects where we are not able to assess all of that whether and uh, judge whether it is all right or wrong um, we are not medical experts, we are not microbiologists, um, we are not psychologists either, we are lawyers, and uh, that enables us to ask critical questions and ask questions uh, for important answers and um, maybe find mistakes and misleads in the argumentation and make this clear. But we don't want to uh, produce prefabricated opinions. That's quite clear. The committee is the reopening of a space for debate. So we listen to many uh, people for different aspects, especially for psychology. The question was how many, how come so many people go along? We've heard many people. We heard Miller, we heard Desmond, we heard Professor Rupert. And what they said, each of them adds up, it contradicts in parts, and this is where we have to come up with our own assessment, each of us, and each of our audience as well. And if some people uh, think that some questions should be more critically asked um, and scrutinized, we had um, a presentation later on where somebody uh, concluded that the abbreviation IC would lead to intelligence community. If we see this, we, of course, we pointed out in the meeting, but if these are things that we have to question or only are able to question afterwards, we look at this in our review, which is our new uh, scope of work where we do a review of um, the respective sessions. You can look at that uh, Corona minus Alshos. 
uh, dash N and the number of that respective session. That's where we look back into the session and where we maybe scrutinize what is questionable there. And it's also important for us that the audience comes in with ideas, with comments, with uh, things that uh, question or underpin the presentations of the experts in the sessions. So that is very important for us. It's very important that we have an unbiased of um, questioning session here. And um, we take it that our audience is aware enough and uh, well enough able to judge for themselves. And um, sometimes the discussion goes a bit back and forth, maybe a bit rough at the beginning at a point. That's a live session here. That's uh, what this is about. So I just wanted to make clear that this is what we are about. And um, I also need to point out again that we need financial support to carry on our work. And I have one thing in my own matter. Rainer and I wrote a book. Um, which is based on the dialogues, dialogues that we've had together. It's uh, coro, called Coro Amicus um, as an argumentation against the idea of uh, transhumanism. So Homo Amicus is the name, and um, it's um, the counterpart to the so-called Homo Deus, which the transhumanists seem to be wanting to create. And uh, this book contains a lot of description on how we observe the development over the past two years, some things that are not made yet public, and uh, uh, background illustration of our personal view and the interpretation, um, which is uh, not just given to us. It's got funny photos. We went through our folders. There's uh, some very old photos, photographs from us um, from the passion, fashion times and uh, Rainer in uh, full size as a surfing teacher. So I think it's good uh, to get away from all that bitter seriousness that all this has and um, take some joy in life again and look at things from a bit of a different perspective. And that's where our next guest will come in in a minute. But first, maybe, Rainer, you want to give us a brief welcome. Well, put on paper, I think, um, yeah, that says it all. Well, again, if we interview someone, it's always live, with the exception of ad hoc interviews that we have with people who uh, can make it to the point, uh, at the point of time that we have our uh, meetings. But that's the point. We uh, do it live so that nobody can suspect that we uh, suppress any opinions or cut things uh, out or whatever. So our first guest today is Sarah Bennett. I'm really looking forward to this. We've shown short clips of hers um, oftentimes. Um, she's a singer, entertainer, a presenter, the chameleon among singers, some say. Um, she uh, was awarded the um, Artist of the Year 2019 by um, the German artist Meris, uh, magazine, and she has her own Telegram channel, t.me slash Sarah's Light Fight, S-A-R-A-S Light Fight, in one word. Um, we have a few clips, um, and they just go too well with what uh, we're going to talk uh, about 
with her, first of all, Karl Lauterbach, where he explains that mRNA vaccines in inverted commas have never worked before and the response by an American who says, I don't have to get fucking shit, you asshole. And um, in American on American TV, that was immediately beeped over, but we're not. <laughs> so we have these two clips now, Karl Lauterbach, and then this story by this American citizen. It's not even a comedian. What we should expect or think about in terms of an effective vaccine. Messenger RNA vaccines, um, they may work. Let's hope they work, but it is not that likely because uh, so far for human, uh, let's say, conditions, they have never worked, they have never been employed. And uh, I'm hard pressed to see how we can um, put a vaccine into place for people that we have never seen working in humans for any other disease before us. have to get your vaccine you have to get the shot once again hello all my followers thank you for following i don't have to get shit you fucking decrepit asshole i don't have to get a booster i don't have to get a vaccination i don't have to get none of that but you have to get out of office you have to get the fuck out of america you have to be impeached you have to be fired you have to leave what you're doing you pelosi kamala y'all have to leave american people the fuck alone because if you ain't figured it out yet we're not vaccinating we're not going to vaccinate. We don't give a shit about vaccinating. And the more you threaten about taking our guns, we just go buy more. So fuck you, Joe. Have a great day. We don't have to do a motherfucking thing. All we have to do is be free, be Americans, follow the Constitution, exercise our right to bear arms, and get ready for you tyrannical motherfuckers when you think you're going to force us. <laughs> Eine sehr klare Ansage. Sarah. Clear statement. Sarah, that is not, of course, your kind of um, parlance, I know. You're much more restrained there, but still, you're quite outspoken. What do you think about this? Exactly. I think it is very astonishing what high potential of entertainment we have around all of this because after all it's nothing else the people are targeted everyone by themselves according to their interests and uh, they are entertained there's something in it for everyone and everybody can pick what they like so some lean back and some start to awaken because the absurdities are growing and growing and growing and that is what i observe i uh, have a lot of contact with people and it's very astonishing the awakening program that we are getting delivered here i thank for that every day i'm very grateful it's a slap in the face, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's very, very obvious. And that is really what's going on. Uh, by the way, the title um, is really that uh, the see how it's all working. That is the agenda. That's the power. And this is what we are now focusing on. Coming back to our power coming back to us and restart to think taking action. All these deviations in the outside world that hypnotize us, hypnotize us over the time being, leave all that aside and see them as what they are, not uh, 
crucial at all. It is not crucial. And, and would you say that people actually, well, can you notice that in your contacts, um, how people are waking up, that they uh, increasingly see the absurdities? Yeah, I do feel that. I see that more and more people who are vaccinated, by the way, um, are starting to awaken. They don't know how to get their grabs on it. They don't have the background knowledge. There's a lot of work. I know somebody who does enlightenment work knows this. People like we have collected this knowledge over many, many years. And now everybody has to pick it up very quickly. That's very difficult. They are stressed in these times, but they are inside the process. And what do I do observe is that we have a kind of underlying aggression aggression playing a role here say this must not happen this must not be and desperation and i think it's very important to catch up the people and help them what i do note is that many people are amongst them who start to let go of old things in love that they had clung to for many times and they start going down new paths. That's what I do observe. So those who see the opportunity that we do have to reshape our world, reshape our future, that these people win everything and they're successful in it. And those who stick to the old patterns uh, run the risk of losing everything. And that is intended. That's exactly. That is part, I believe, of this destabilization, disorientation, uh, creates loss of identity, etc. But um, strangely enough, I believe that uh, it's those who play emotion, emotionally, not the politicians, not the media, but the artists, they are strangely restrained. We just have, again, um, uh, Ray Morrison, uh, Eric Kleppner uh, has done something, uh, Stand and Deliver. They have a clear uh, position. I discussed that with my friend Mike Eaton, Eden uh, recently. Uh, Eric Clapton, after he'd uh, received the jabs um, and noticing, well, uh, there's something wrong here. Um, Ray Morrison was uh, clear from the get-go, and now uh, Sting is uh, joining in who is in a way restrained and at the same time uh, very uh, direct in telling people democracy is at stake here and watch out. Uh, and uh, what's happening in the German-speaking um, area? I can't hear anyone. There's a Marco Rima, a colleague of yours in uh, Switzerland. Nina in Germany also has a position herself. What, uh, what's it due to? Are they all afraid? I think fear plays a role. I have had colleagues on my phone who talk to me, telling Zara, great stuff, what you do. Unfortunately, I can't do it. I can't go outside. I won't get any engagements anymore. I was in the Gala area, and I felt this. I went through this myself. Within no time, I was expelled. Um, all agencies that I worked together with have turned away. That was... The consequence, I was aware of that, that it would happen. But, of course, many artists are afraid. And the system artists, I'm not 
too close close enough to them to understand what stops them. Um, I think um, they know about the structures. I think that plays a role. We had Ludger K. Uh, here. He's a funny uh, person, intelligent type, who uh, made a. Uh, forceful statement and said clearly what his view is and of course he's restrained when it comes to his colleagues he can't say he's an idiot and that one's a good one but he doesn't dare say something but it seems like he uh, mostly it's a fear of uh, generating um, loss of income um, but if you're uh, independent and uh, somebody you uh, rely on somebody hiring you and no there's no one there um, uh, to uh, talk to you in the uh, to talk to in the public uh, um, stations, then you can't do anything. Precisely, quite rightly. That's a, it's a sad story. However, that artists today queue up for money for uh, lockdown times instead of uh, take the guitar and stand up in front of the parliament. So that should be the task of an artist and everybody could ask themselves each artist what do i want to be do i want to be a service provider or do i want to be an artist why did i start being an artist in the first place and what was my deepest feeling that i connected to this really um what i think is very concerning uh, I I wouldn't um, talk about uh, about people, politicians, or any other people in a, in an any negative way, because I always assume that every person that we meet um, is a teacher and a pupil at the same time. I learn a lot, and they may learn from us as well. So it's a give and take on both sides. I'm not angry against these as well. What politicians do in these times is important so that the people are able to understand how unimportant they are and how important it is to get into your own power. That applies to artists just like to anybody else. That is very important. Well, of course, a legal expert uh, feels her hair raising on her back, of course. On a metaphysical level, I see it like you do, um, that we need to go through a valley of tears here to get some, um, acquire some knowledge. But now, unfortunately, the um, live stream has been lost. The, the sound from Viviana is unfortunately gone. It's back. But at the same time, it's true that there are people who are um, responsible and have done very uh, problematic things. And um, I would be unhappy to let these people off the hook. Uh, just um, in, a, in a wider context, I know that's not what you meant, but I just wanted to make it clear that individual responsibility, everybody has to um, be held responsible for it. But that is a um, societal and um, uh, holistic uh, process of fermentation that wouldn't have happened if all of this crisis hadn't broken. So there were many questions that um, arose previously as well, but now they become uh, ever more apparent uh, what's happening here. Exactly. Um, what I strongly observe now is the development that our children are taking and uh, that is intended as well that 
eventually uh, they are creating a new peoples for themselves. They are creating new human beings, a human being that is conform with a system that cannot come up with their own opinion. Um, and that is where I see the biggest need to do things, to change things. We, the adults, we'll, we'll be gone one day and the future of the children. And that's what we have to tackle. And I think that's the reason why um, they are very extreme with respect to the children concerning the measures. Um, I see that with my uh, nephew. She's seven years old. She's scared, and uh, she can't. She knows she can't rely on anything, and that is a very, very concerning situation. That is something that we should really concentrate our forces on. And clear outspokenness is required. Uh, required, I think that the era of political correctness, which I've ever, which I've always hated, the very word I hated, it's not political correctness, it's just a lie. You can be polite, that's different from political correctness, but this time should be over. If we don't call a spade a spade now, then things are over. Maybe it's enough. Um, it all depends for every individual how they get their message across, and maybe it's enough for Sting to get it across the way he did in Warsaw now. Each single one of us has to think about what they do. And this is not limited to artists alone, where they have to ask, am I a uh, service provider here or what am I doing here? Every individual has to do uh, to decide that. Every physician has to do that, every medical uh, expert. And I really see uh, a very bleak picture here, with a few exceptions, of course. Um, every legal expert has to do it. Are we here to make money or is it about justice it is about justice that's what we need because without justice without a, a, a state of law there can be no democracy so we legal experts have to stand up for this as well and without naming names here if, even though uh, everybody knows uh, whom i'm talking about what i find is really uh, really um, mean is when uh, artists who um, really um, fool their uh, audience who come to hear a certain message and then they give the the opposite message is that just mean or is it mosing up to those who are online i don't know i don't know the personal motives of everyone and i do know that artists often are very sanguinic they depend on their decisions on people that uh, work in their background. And I know that many, many artists who are right at the top of the game may have lost a bit of sight on their audience. And um, that is something that should everybody should ask themselves, really. What does it mean to be an artist, to create art and move people? That's what it's all about in the end. And the people in the audience they look very closely, actually. There's these and those. So what do I resonate with? And uh, people can select whom to follow or uh, who to let into their life in times as these. It's a free decision. Everybody has their own free will on all levels, by the way. It's about nothing else. At least that's my opinion at the moment. That's the exact point. Everybody has a free will. <laughs> Even 
Mr. Lauterbach, who's probably a bit off the wall, says, so uh, we're not exerting any pressure. Um, um, everybody is free to decide whether or not they uh, forego an income. So that's the point. You have to ask yourself, do I want to um, voter pressure to keep my uh, job, um, at the same time taking the risk that I'll die tomorrow, or do I want to retain my freedom? I feel that freedom must be uh, the most important good forever and ever. Um, I think um, if we forego that, then we we'll lose everything, uh, everything until you even lose your life. Quite right. Freedom, for my terms, stops where it, they start to work for someone else. Um, that is a modern form of slavery. You work for someone, you give your time for someone else. Of course, you've got to make some money. But as I said, as I said in the beginning, those people who cling to something now, which is leaving anyway, they're going to leave things. And the times are predestined now to create things, to create new things, to move new things forward. That's important now. That's the new zeitgeist. And that is what I see in the population and my concerts everywhere. People get creative again because they do note that they can't depend on anybody anymore. They will be let down if they rely on others. And that's the good thing in a way about all these times. It's a very new feeling of life. And what I can add here is that, of course, by all these things that um, happened over the past two years, that uh, there was a lot of restructuring going on in the lives of people. Of course, it's inside the families, there was breakdowns, there was split-ups, but the people whom you meet now and the people who join and the people who are all uh, restructured, regrouped, it's a completely new quality of friendship and family sense. That's what Daniela Ganza says. It's a family of humankind. And that is something that we always actually wanted to in underlining wishes, and that is what can take place now. Of course, it's a slow process, but it is taking place. And that's the positive thing. And people like Mr. Lauterbach and all these others, people in politics, they contribute beautifully that people feel let down they get to find around that they can't rely on the politicians. So they should do things for themselves. That's the point. That's the point. I fully agree. Everybody can, but has to make a decision now, because if they don't do that, then somebody else will take the decision for them, and that won't be for their benefit. That is exactly the development, and we can see that in our party, the basis, uh, that more and more people say, I don't really need to ask for um, permission to do anything. I'm my own lord. And that's the way it is. This is the time where everybody can and make do make their own uh, uh, can and must make their own decision. And you said that everybody can see if they only keep their eyes open that these politicians, even by their behavior, have disqualified themselves so much that we have to conclude you can't work with them. We have to do things ourselves. We have to get out of. Uh, we have to step outside of this collapsing system. How did you put it? Uh, this system is on the way out. We have to build our own things outside of the system, completely uh, disconnected with them. Then they can play with themselves, can give each other orders, but not us. 
Exactly. Thank you, Mr. Lauterbach. Thank you, all of you lot, for this wonderful awakening process. It's great entertainment. I couldn't do it any better. Maybe that's why they initiated this in the first place. We can understand it very well uh, that it was uh, created, that it was uh, that it became so necessary that we uh, realize that we have our own responsibility, that we can do things differently, and that there are many more alternatives than uh, we had been led to believe. We really have to think new. We have to think ourselves, and that's really a nice challenge. And people get together who never got together before. And, uh, well, you have to say a lot of sorrow has been cast, uh, and I think um, we are in the valley of tears, so to say. If you talk about your niece, it's a lot of sorrow and pain that people are going through, families that are falling apart. If you cross, uh, if you're cross with your family because of Corona, maybe it's, you split from a partner who you choose to be with before. Maybe that would would have been difficult before, but um, it um, made relations collapse that weren't bad all from the start. So, well, Mm, surely there is people amongst the audience who suffered a lot in this. Um, so it's a bit difficult to say it's all positive. Probably in the end, yes, it's all going to be good. We've heard from Inca shamans um, that uh, 13,000 years of uh, darkness are ending and we're going to 13,000 years of light. And this is the passing um, of the world's um, and if I got this right, these shamans tell us um, that they have uh, um, people who took part in the workshops uh, simply fainted because they couldn't stand the vibration and the development. But um, that's what we see now. But we see people taking the turnaround and more and more are uh, moving, changing direction towards the light, as we say so more than we think possibly well things are resorting are getting resorted of course and i'm a person who took personal losses um, but i'm looking at this from uh, a bird's eye view i um, extract the karma from it and with all the brutality that uh, happened now you everybody has a decision to uh, determine uh, on a daily basis do i want to experience this as a trauma or do i want to transform this into a positive karma into do i want to turn it into a positive thing um, because i believe that particularly our uh, vaccinated or uh, system uh, supporting uh, brothers and sisters are particularly much helped if we have a positive outlook particularly with a view to their uh, health history people are completely afraid uh, most of them don't even know who am i anymore what am i anymore uh, and then um, the, the children uh, as well who am i what am i supposed to do here and in this time it is important that we who still uh, have a clear well what can say a clear understanding you know that who are still rest in themselves that we go ahead and take them by the hand and say you can rely on us we're here, 
we go it with you, it'll be a bumpy road, but we'll manage it, we can manage this, we can hack it. Well, what you just said, with the gendering craze, that really take it to the top, takes it to the top. There was a piece of news in the Yuku Tattlestork, a, um, a clinic specialized in uh, gender changes, sex changes. They are being investigated now. And it turns out that, like crazy, they tried to get children, not adults, children, to uh, believe that they're not male but female, or the other way around. And then their genitals were removed. That's mutilation. And those are things, Sarah. And I think, uh, uh, Viviana, that's what she was talking about. That's unforgivable. You can't take those by the hand anymore. If they are responsible, then they need to get the um, capital, the, the highest punishment of all. And my, Klaus Schwab always says that he's Christian and religious. I'm uh, sorry, uh, uh, not Klaus Schwab, um, Martin Schwab. Well, we won't, um, uh, we'll only sweep up the, the dregs, uh, the big points will be had, um, handled by the top guy. Well, maybe talk to someone who took that operation and regrets it afterwards. There are these people, anthropoids are full of work, and it's more and more. I know children in Luxembourg who know about 13 different sexes, and uh, in the schools is expected from them, from the children, that they boys dress as girls, girls dress as boys, and things like that. So the travesty artists are invited and all these things. So transgender people are invited. So it's a lot of hype going on, lots of energy and money invested as well to drive this agenda forward. And of course, that is systematic. So if a child does not know at all where it should belong by this corona madness, children are locked up in their rooms, they get their food in front of the door. We've had cases like this, many cases like these. Um, in my, I, I don't have any, uh, any strength in my family. I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. The school doesn't give me any orientation. What happens with these? humans what society are they going to build later on above all do they know no they don't but we know this is the next step in this completely crazy and never to uh, to work transhumanism it's the first step in it this is really extreme i really am livid to see people do this but we'll get them Yes, and um, what I noted as well, due to all these measures and these activities that were taken, many children already now are completely depressive. And then on top of this, they get these manga shows and comics that play exactly that game. The feeling of is isolation where the superhero is a manga figure uh, that lived in isolation and that was loved and nobody loved her and by some kind of superpowers it got popular. And if these depressive mangas are 
played out in front of the children. I was scared away. I got into a children's room where they had crying mangas with masks、um, on the walls. Horrible, a pure horror show. And I really wonder where are the parents? My parents wouldn't have allowed that to me, to be quite frank.、Um, uh, so. Would it have been possible at the time? I doubt it. So that's a development which we are seeing here, and that's it. They want a new peoples. They want a new society which they are creating, and they're doing that with the children, and they're doing it in the background. That we see that in the changes.、Uh, the constitution has been changed in Luxembourg for the children's rights. Nobody noted it. So now, the、uh, state is allowed to take actions into families. And what happens in the background, according to my opinion, is that's what we should look in very closely. Everything else is just destruction outside. People are too much in the outside world. But that's interesting again. It's a lockstep、uh, phenomenon again, and it's with these、um, uh, children's rights as well. It changes in many constitutions. Uh, with the aim of allowing the、uh, state to interfere、um, and to overrule parental decisions, and that's a really dangerous phenomenon. It sounds、uh, all very well,、uh, children's rights, but it really leads to a situation where such uncontrollable entities, as we can see now,、uh, controlled by mo、uh, political motivations,、uh, get a grip on such a、uh, such a fragile thing as our children. And、um, I don't know if we discussed this in the、uh, committee or somewhere else at some stage. All of this、uh, thing with transgender and、uh, sex changes, etc., that shows that、um, there's a more a closer merger of、um, human and machine computers, etc. What is human there anymore? So all of a sudden, people are diverse because then all of a sudden those people might be diverse. Um, some of them may be half animal、um, or whatever, and could be、uh, could could do、uh, whatever sort of thing. It's not like、uh, what we have now today that it's somewhere in the middle or some、uh, third thing. And they might be really very diverse. And if they are included in this concept of being human, then、uh, maybe that was uh, the idea uh, uh, that you don't have to.、Um, Define or delimit that anymore because you include it all as diverse, and then、um, there may be some、uh, strange beings,、um, creatures that are、uh, created,、um, that are made, and I don't know what they feel like because it sounds a bit monstrous,、um, and to、um, expect that sort of thing. But maybe that is part of the background for all of these efforts. Of course, yes. Of course, and the human being, as such, is not reflected in this. Well, there's this genetic level on the one hand that you're、uh, tinkering uh, with uh, uh, creatures that are chimeras of some sort, but then you also have the phenomenon: a little、uh, people look around and observe、um, and and imitate. Uh, all of what they can do, their movements, their、um, uh, facial expressions, etc. They've seen it before, and they've、uh, imitated these things、um, in their minds before they actually play it out. So, we have to make sure that we、uh, show people what we can do, that we are courageous, that we're we have fantasy, imagination, that we're playful, that all of what is in the children we try to.、Um, 
allow them to develop it freely through the freedoms that we have. I think that's a great opportunity and we should be courageous enough to do that. We should be laughing, we should joke. Children can't always understand um, sarcasm or irony yet, but we uh, should be courageous. We should give uh, whatever love we can give and we um, that we go beyond the technical definition. It's so beautiful to be human and children can feel this and then they enjoy life. Yes, and especially take the fear out of things. Um, that the fear is taken out of society. The people are full of fear. And I can tell you from my own experience, as soon as you got a, a, a healthy lick my ass feeling, sorry for the words, uh, that is very, very productive and very effective as well. I have no fear at all, for nothing. Nothing can happen to me which hasn't happened before. I'm very strong in my belief, though, and uh, for me, it's a big game. I look at it and I watch it. I'm a traveler on this planet. I just watch it, I observe it, and take the drama out and that makes things easy for me i'm i can't be attacked in a way you made a video recently and um, what i've seen of what i've seen most of your videos um, are quite ironic you make fun of things um, showing that you're above them and you show that with this lightness it's much easier to go through this pretty these pretty dark times by taking the bird's eye view, looking at the overall system and then making fun of it. But one of the uh, more recent videos that I saw, your last sentence was very um, uh, depressed. Was that uh, honest? Which one are you talking about? It depends a bit. I do these funny videos. There's different videos. Um, some of them are funny that are quite quick. quick. I have to be very furious, then they get well, they turn out well, then it's great. But I have to be very furious. And the ones that I do at home with my uh, home box, which I enjoy with the people, I'm a bit sad at times. Um, there was things of going on in the past where um, I wasn't going so well, but that is something as well. I see that from different perspectives. My dog got run over by a car and I felt very bad about it. And then I meditate a lot and the question is why? My question was why? I was very connected to my dog. I was uh, very close to her. I miss her a lot. But the answer came quite quickly that there is other tasks now. There are other tasks to do, and it's a different way now. And I want to and should develop on. She's heard their soul's plan, and I've got mine. I don't know, we'll meet again. We had an agreement, and that is over for the time being. Some contracts are very short, and that's the way I see it, and that makes me very free. 
And I don't let myself get disturbed with things. I just, um, I always um, go jogging with my dogs and um, I had a situation recently where one of my dogs, the big one, their brother and sister, um, the big one started to make a strange noise, almost sounded like um, a child crying and we thought he had stepped into something and at the end of the day it seemed like he had pulled a muscle. But as we weren't sure, we went to a veterinary clinic and a young vet and you couldn't really um, get a connection with her because she was afraid that uh, somebody came without a mask and I said, okay, here's my attestation. But when it starts like that, you don't, you know, you'll never get anywhere. But I didn't have the feeling that she really cared at all about this dog or about the treatment of the dog. She said, okay, we um, had him on the table now. We um, x-rayed him, but I didn't anesthetize him. And that's why if you uh, pull this uh, leg, then uh, he struggles, a big, strong animal. But I uh, expect if I look at this, um, cleft here, this cleavage, um, he needs to be uh, operated on. There's one here in Göttingen, um, so that if the tendon is pulled, then you have to uh, tie that up again. And the other thing is um, you have to cut uh, around on the on the bone. And I said, well, you couldn't diagnose it right. Oh, well, the next uh, time he'll be anesthetized, um, um, and then he'll be Op uh, operated on and you, you can make a decision then and I said well the, my decision is I'll uh, take him to another vet and she said oh well that's just a pulled muscle don't worry uh, it'll heal and that is exactly that the former financial head of the cl uh, university clinic that's the same thing that happens in human uh, medicine uh, there are requirements, so and so many hip uh, surgeries, so and so many of uh, this treatment, so and so many of that. What does that have to do with medicine? But how can you make fun of that? That's really difficult. That's quite difficult, isn't it? Yes, but uh, people like to give the responsibility as well, including the responsibility for their own health. Uh, they let the doctors do it. I know many people who can tell me whole day what diseases they have and what medicine they take and that they've got a great doctor that gives them all that medicine. And that in the end, this means that um, it has a deep uh, aspect to it, rooting back to childhood, talking about your disease all day, that it's just a need for attention and for love and so on. And these are the topics of the humankind, and now people can address their issues. What's going on with me? Why do I live my life as I do? And why do I think I can't change it? What would be the bad thing, baddest, the worst thing that could happen if I change something? Yes, you experience something new. Exactly. And what will happen then? Oh dear, maybe I lose some friends. I may lose my partner and so on. And these are the things that people have to get their grabs on. Let go. Do your plan. Do what you are here to do. That's it. Right, well, well, it's interesting to see that even at the committee we have a lot of people who think in this vein, who looked in detail at what's uh, happening here. Um, um, 
we um, uh, didn't invite you now as an expert or a, a, a witness, but we've heard it from a lot of politicians that many of them start uh, seeing things from um, this somewhat elevated level. Um, and with a book that we um, extracted from our interviews, uh, which we called Homo Mikas, so um, friend of people. Um, there's a lot of that um, which is uh, amazing to us because we um, weren't on this uh, level of knowledge. Um, we um, were doing what we were doing, and um, nevertheless, now, uh, oftentimes, you only uh, recognize a lot of things in this viral phase now, which wasn't easy, but which took you to a point where you uh, take a different look at, at things now. It's uh, really a process that is pretty um, obvious to many others. If, well, we, we train all day. If we train to let go, that is what's going on at the moment because so many things are getting so difficult and if you let go of things you got your hands free and you can pick up something else and uh, do something new and if you've done that a couple of times you find out it's not too bad thing to do to let go that you may become less stubborn and maybe even enjoyable after a while, I think you can get used to it. And I think many people are learning these things now. And that is very good for the future. If we can teach our children to do exactly. that, that will be great. Exactly. Yeah. That would be the best thing to happen. I got one more picture uh, that squares in with our talk here. This is how modeling works. Uh, maybe we can look at that, how modeling works. Maybe you could just show that. So this is how you get born as a small dog. After eight weeks, you look like this. After 20 weeks, you look like that. And you get the projected growth based on the trend. So that clearly shows that modeling are for complete waste. Uh, it can't work. And that's what you get to make your jokes about. Probably you've got to crack your jokes on anything, otherwise it's, uh, things get unbearable. Well, not making fun of it, but maybe you take it with a certain lightness. I always think of my uh, grandmother um, at the back of my head who went through the Second World War and everything. When she was talking about it, there was never drama about it. The drama that she went through wasn't palpable for me. She told me about it like a like a good night story. And this strengthened her for life. She never saw a doctor. She was never ill. That's what happened to my parents, who um, were refugees. And they said, they said that was the best phase of their life. That's what they kept on talking about. That's something that um, shaped them, where they learned most. And that was a part of their richness in terms of the stories they knew to tell us. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's very important that, this, uh, that we retain this old knowledge. 
the spirits of our grandmothers, of our forebears, even the word forebear, um, um, there's a nice word in German uh, word that kind of implies that they anticipated uh, the, the um, antecedents, as it were. Um, and if we look at it as um, uh, at a metaphysical level, we got this uh, down uh, from our forebears in genetic code, actually, as a potential possibility. Yes, yes exactly. So energetically, it's here. And all these cases, the diabetes, etc., that is manifests uh, want that our function. Um, um, which, which one is more convincing? What the doctors tell us at times, they're not sure what they're talking about. Uh, if doctors talk, uh, tell me things, they tell me things that have changed millions of times over the past 50 years. And so if you've got someone to process what they have just been through and so on, and if the stories are good, then they're good to live with. There's nothing worse than a doctor who tells a, a patient, um, you have a cancer, you won't survive it. That is like a death sentence. This sentence, you won't survive, this is so rigid. If I'm not uh, strong in my faith, then just take, that takes me back to my gran uh, grandmother. Uh, she was told um, she had intestinal cancer and she was told you won't survive. We all get something that we don't survive in the end. Exactly. Exactly. So at the end of the day, um, she was with the doctors, uh, with the doctor, and he said, "You uh, suffer from um, intestinal cancer. And you won't survive." And she said, "No, uh, we'll uh, dance at next year's uh, carnival." Um, and she uh, didn't uh, uh, die from it. She was a heavy smoker, but she uh, kept living on. And what killed her was not the intestinal cancer, and that is the attitude. Oh, sure, I'll survive. I'll make it. This attitude is always more helpful. I think this sentence, you won't survive, you won't make it, that this is uh, the cause of metastasis. Um, I'm really convinced that it's one contributing factor. This fear of death does so much about people. And that's what's happening collectively. Um, fear of death of a flu. What does uh, fear of death do to someone? It paralyzes you. Uh, and they keep on thinking with new things and uh, because they come up with so many different things, each one of them is worth less. Such sentences like, um, you won't make it, that is lethal. Even if you tell it to children, you can't do that. Well, you can do anything you like, you just want to do this. And then you can do it. That's the way it is. Quite right, quite right. Okay, Sarah, uh, that was very nice. Um, I'm sure you're uh, strongly seated in the saddle, and I have no doubt about it. And I think we'll get back into touch with you, and we always keep watching your videos anyway. Great. Good. Very good. Well, I think there's so much strength there, you can probably hold back two horses at the same time. Um, yes. That's the point. I sleep very little. I'm always in action. I'm always thinking. I don't need a lot of sleep. I got tons of energy. So I give all of it. I give it to all of you. That's great. Yeah, we can well use it. Thanks. This connection uh, allows us to 
send energy back and forth, and I think that helps. It really does. Well, it's a give and take, quite clearly. Exactly, exactly. Sarah, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Our next guest uh, squares in quite nicely here, and uh, actually we did this on purpose with the positive and self-empowering ideas. We're talking to Professor Dr. Ulrike Kemmerer, who has been with us a couple of times. She's always the one who gave us crucial insights in session four on the reliability of the PCR test um, concerning the uh, proof of uh, infectious infection. And today she brought in something special because even before the crisis, for years, she spent a lot of work with a very interesting um, idea, which is ketogenic diet. Uh, maybe, Ulrike, I can hand over directly to you. Yes, great that this uh, topic uh, should be presented in this uh, uh, session now. Christiane, would you like to say a few words on how we um, started talking about this topic? Which one? Well, that you have some experience with that as well. Yes, quite right. I had heard of this special diet and also from you, and I thought, well, uh, why not try it out? I would like to look into this, and I started it. I did it with a week of fasting, nearly a week. I didn't manage a full week, but um, and then I got into this keto, which is that you eat a lot of fat, oil, and so on. And so I'm not 100% in that because I'm traveling, doesn't make things easier. But um, for me, I can say it feels very comfortable. I feel lighter and I. Um, have less hunger. Maybe you're going to talk about that in a minute. I didn't really look at the scientific side of it, so to say, um, what the share of uh, fat and proteins is and carbohydrates and so on. Um, so I think I feel good. I think I'm going to carry on with that for a while and test it out when I get back. Well, and that this topic should have to do something with COVID and the long-term effect of spike-induced damage and, of course, also with these so-called vaccination damages is already covered by numerous publications that have been around for a good old while that show that this type of diet will actually um, help people with uh, long COVID effects or uh, people who have uh, these negative, uh, uh, these um, adverse effects from the vac so-called vaccines. Can I share my screen now, if possible? Can you see it now? Yes, we can. Um, so that is something that's new for many people, um, but it is uh, a topic this ketogenous uh, diet. I could speak of a ketogen diet. I could speak about that for two weeks now. And that's uh, my main scientific uh, uh, 
topic of research for 15 years and um, um, PCR is nothing that you do need to do research about. It's just a technology. And uh, I uh, uh, called it uh, suppression of inflammation so that everybody understands what it means. So these uh, spike-induced damages and uh, these long COVID, um, so based on either the injection or the virus itself, the crucial um, characteristic is a fluid or a chronic inflammation reaction. And there was, um, as early as June 2020, there was a very good publication that uh, had one title called Targeting the NLRP3 Inflammasome in uh, Severe COVID-19, this inflammasome. Uh, and I don't want to go about um, uh, into detail here uh, giving a lecture, but what's crucial uh, is summarized here. There's the virus with a spike protein and other genes, the e, uh, gene ORF3A or ORFA8 that can uh, tie uh, certain um, proteins on the surface. Uh, so this can happen in the epithelial cells, um, and that will create those problems in the lung. So those are the problems that this virus can produce. And then there's the uh, EF envelope. Uh, but what is crucial um, that I could find in researching this presentation is the ORFA8A. It's a very important part of this virus causing inflammations. And the interesting thing is that the first publications from China in the Chinese medical uh, journal discovered very early on that this uh, operating frame, that's what it's called, uh, number eight, is atypical. So there's a uh, suspicion that it was artificially inserted there one way or the other. And this um, um, ORF is an important uh, trigger for inflammations if the entire virus uh, attacks. And otherwise, and I'll get back to that, um, the spike protein uh, in the vaccines, that is the main culprit. If you look at the various uh, virus um, components, of course, of course, the uh, solution fluid, uh, the adenoviral uh, vectors with AstraZeneca or the nanolipids with Moderna uh, or BioNTech Pfizer. And this uh, paper, there's something interesting here. We um, get to the very simple methods that can help. This receptor on the surface of the cell can be blocked by zinc, calcium, magnesium, and copper. So in other words, these old um, med medic medication, household uh, medicines, zinc, calcium with uh, vitamin D, etc., can help. You can see that's a sort of a multi-complex in the cell, and it's shown like a wheel here, that once it's triggered, it controls inflammatory uh, reactions, and if it is not suppressed or even runs out of control, then this can lead to um, massive inflammation anywhere in the body. And there are uh, two beautiful, more recent um, papers. Um, one is called SARS-CoV-2 spike 1 subunit induces neuroinflammatory, i.e. 
nerve damage, microglial and behavioral sickness responses. This is about, uh, that is the main, the main finding here. Here we provide evidence that the S1 subunit might function as a PAMP, which is a, an, a property causing inflammations in the central nervous system to drive neuroinflammatory processes and the behavioral uh, consequences of those processes and thus play a role in the pathogenesis of SARS-CoV-2. So we have this uh, PAMP uh, effects of the spike protein. And this is a one-year-old paper here about uh, which deals with the ma macrophages, a very important uh, part in the uh, inflammatory process. That's the uh, killer cells, the eating uh, cells in our um, immune system. It says that there are pro-inflammatory cytokines are uh, secreted by them once the cascade has been triggered. So that means that what's crucial is uh, here is that they say that the spikes trigger the cells to have a stronger immune uh, response in the future, i.e. with an inflammation. And so they say that for future vaccines, one has to consider that this effect is not exaggerated, which can then lead to these um, inflammatory disasters. And that's not done. Can you, is that what you subsumize as ADE? Well, ADE is a bit different. Uh, that has to do with the fact that SARS-CoV-2, via these non-neutralizing antibodies, uh, can attack the macrophages directly, thus triggering the inflammatory reaction. What's so perfidious is that there are so many different mechanisms that can uh, trigger this, uh, that the spike uh, can trigger. It depends on the milieu they um, meet, uh, how people are pre-primed. Uh, people with a metabolic syndrome, for instance, i.e. anybody uh, who, uh, who suffering from diabetes, pre-diabetes, um, uh, hypertension, um, they're all uh, um, symptoms of a metabolic syndrome. They have a high level of inflammation already. And then um, meet this uh, overexcitement uh, then then they tend to do very poorly. And those are usually the ones who were vaccinated because they're vulnerable and they had a particularly negative response to the vaccination. But it's not ADE, it is a different mechanism. Well, we could tell us if all what I've heard up to now on the way this um, mRNR functions has nothing to do with what is being told to us. Uh, what happens is something completely different from what, well, possibly was intended. Until now, I have only heard about negative consequences of the so-called mRNA vaccination. Is there any positive aspect to it? First of all, I'd uh, change the parlance. Uh, even um, Pfizer-BioNTech call it mod mRNA. Um, many scientists say it's only mRNA. No, it, it isn't. It's mo this high-tech 
stuff. It has nothing to do with normal messenger RNA, with the normal mRNA. Uh, that's why it's so stable and can uh, produce so many spike proteins. But these mechanisms now, they're independent of how the spike protein is inserted into the body, be it via the entire virus, then you don't get this huge quantity because the a complete virus uh, with anybody who has an, uh, a working immune system, um, uh, the spike protein is killed in the respiratory tract and that's it. But with the injection, the spike protein is uh, injected uh, beyond uh, this initial barrier in huge quantities. And then it doesn't matter whether it's via these adenovirus substances or via the modified mRNA or uh, via the protein injections uh, with Novavax. Uh, well, Novavax, we see these huge inflammation uh, reactions, myocardisms, and that um, makes sense because a huge uh, quantity of spike proteins are injected into the body. Uh, uh, whereas with the uh, gene injections, we call them that um, because they actually inject genes that then trigger the protein production. What happens there is that they are built a little bit more slowly. That's why this effect is, um, has more of a time delay. Uh, when I uh, think in Leipzig, a uh, judge asked these two officers, well, there's this less uh, harmful Novavax um, vaccine um, and wouldn't you want to allow us uh, uh, to vaccinate with that? Uh, the, the two officers who had uh, sued there, um, and they wondered then, well, how does this judge know that this is less harmless? And um, so it doesn't have these uh, nanoparticles, and you don't have the negative hepatitis uh, reactions uh, with children, uh, which seem to come from the adenoviral vectors. But here you have a huge quantity of ready-made spike proteins that get into uh, the body, and that uh, leads to inflammations in the brain, and people get a very uh, heavy uh, headache, and if you're unlucky, myocarditis. I've read in the media, in the official media, that they are now advertising a nose spray, and there's eight clinical trials and eight uh, medicines, and I think four of them are vectors as well, transgene adenoviruses or others that are used that you can apply as a nose spray. What do you think of that? Well, let me put it this way. If you wanted to make a vaccine that actually is worth this name, then it would have to be applied uh, where the virus enters, uh, just like a vet would do. So, um, uh, for um, um, animals, it's um, uh, given as a, uh, a spray, or it is mixed into the food, uh, the feedstuff, or into the water. But to um, inject this, well, there's no real reason for that. There's this Valneva, which was uh, approved. Um, nobody speaks about it any. There are attenuated viruses. Those are complete uh, original uh, viruses that have been killed, i.e. deactivated. They're available. And you can buy them as positive controls. You can produce them in large quantities. So if you think you have to develop a vaccine against such a coronavirus, well, then an attenuated full virus um, bringing the whole protein package along uh, would make most sense as a nail spray. 
Well, I think it's better if you look at your grandchildren um, has a similar effect and I think the technique that is used for locally close to the brain in the mucous tissue of the nose that we change the gene, the cells to produce these spikes directly in front of the brain blood barrier, I think that is quite risky business. Yeah, particularly because people already have a uh, pretty ruined uh, mucous tissue in the, nase, in the nose after all these tests. Um, uh, the children develop problems with that already. Well, I always said we, if we had such a great vaccination with attenuated viruses against coronaviruses, and that would be so smart that uh, it uh, already knows what's going to come next year. Uh, normally, we are behind the development. It may be is illusionary, but if we had this um, immune stimulants that you spray against the coronaviruses, give, not letting them any chance, with that uh, spray still, we would have the fact that coronaviruses never come alone. Usually it's a whole pack of viruses that visits us. And then the effect will be if one virus is reduced, the others are happy because they get more space and can cause more damage. That is not eliminated by, uh, by that. We don't want to fight a virus. We want to fight people getting sick. That's true. And the symptoms themselves of the disease, anybody knows that from a trivial, normal uh, respiratory disease, those uh, things like headache, etc., they normally happen after the running nose has, the nose running has stopped. So most of the viruses have been killed already by the immune system, but the inflammatory reaction is still ongoing. So if you want to keep people healthy, you have to control the inflammatory responses. And that uh, takes us to the next uh, aspect, and that is uh, a good uh, transition now. Uh, back in uh, 2015, in um, the National Review of Immunology. That's a pretty uh, good paper. Uh, this uh, article on starving inflammation, and uh, there are, of course, substances that are patented again and maybe can be uh, made turned into um, medication at some stage. And um, it, there's a word here, beta-hydroxybutyrate uh, um, has an uh, anti-inflammatory effect, and it says uh, a low-carbohydrate ketonate uh, ketogenic diet could reduce the severity of NLRP3-mediated diseases, and in this um, uh, is a, a highlighted quote in this article in the National Review of Immunology in, uh, from, 19, uh, from 2015 that a low-carbohydrate um, ketogenic diet can have a positive impact on uh, the uh, inflammation response. And um, there are uh, publications. I didn't come up with this myself. Um, uh, like people who uh, studied something with the media because they um, weren't smart enough or anything else, if they want to um, fact check uh, this, you can actually read up on this in any publication if you're able to understand them. 
And this is about the same thing again. Um, anybody who uh, ever did um, medical fasting, um, so this is um, something that is quite popular and it already kind of implies that uh, fasting can be healing. And uh, people um, who do this kind of fasting cure, they find that as well, that after a few days that they don't feel so well, they feel very well and they get into this fasting high, they really feel well. And the main factors here, and I can show you where they um, act, it's the cytone bodies, and one of them is this uh, so-called beta-hydroxybutyrate, and uh, it uh, has an effect here onto the macrophages, stopping them from uh, fueling these inflammatory uh, responses, and I uh, research myself that this beta-hydroxybutyrate can be triggered by a ketogene, uh, ketogene diet or what all the Tour de France uh, uh, cyclists do and what is really uh, important for the Navy SEALs. They uh, can this uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate, it's called uh, 3-OHB as well, they can take it as a food additive, but that's the unphysiological um, a solution and um, it's they, they eat normally and then they take these food additives and it costs more than a hundred euro a day so few people can, can afford this but um, you can of course do a, a fasting cure but you can't keep that up forever and the ketogen uh, diet I'll speak about it later on how to do it I can do this for years so I started back in 2007-2008 with this and I thought oh Jesus such a uh, um, a diet, this is uh, uh, unacceptable. So I'm one of those tree huggers and um, I always hated fat and I um, thought, oh no, before we do this um, and recommend it to patients or try it on patients, I have to try it myself. So I turned my diet around and I found that I really was stupid to avoid the um, fatty foods over all the years and now I feel much better so I follow this ketogen uh, diet on and off and uh, I've been doing it for many many years now and I have to say it's not harmful for you and it's um, anti-inflammatory uh, inflammatory, and uh, for many asthmatics, it would also be a good uh, option for the hay fever season. There's one mechanism that is also uh, described here by uh, Mr. Offerman's um, uh, published in um, Trends of Molecular Medicine in uh, 2015 as well. This uh, hydroxybutyrate, particularly the better version of it, uh, has not uh, only a positive impact on the uh, macrophages, but also inhibits anti-inflammatory uh, receptors. And this HCA2, uh, GPR1 uh, gene protein coupled, uh, coupled receptor, it was always thought that it was a receptor for uh, uh, smoker, uh, smoking um, 
uh, nicotine uh, nicotid acids, and but it was found that it wasn't true. So this is actually where, uh, when um, this hydroxybutyrate is uh, created in the body, then uh, it starts another um, cascade that inhibits inflammations and uh, protects uh, angiogenesis. So um, that uh, when uh, tissue is um, uh, uh, dies off, um, that it can be uh, better supplied with blood vessels again. And then there is a new paper now, um, um, impaired ketogenesis uh, ties metabolism to T-cell dysfunction in COVID. So that's uh, a sub-paper. And they said, okay, the people with very severe inflammation responses, they had a, uh, a misguided ketogenic um, uh, formation capability. And they said, finally, we demonstrated that ketogenic diet or delivery of BHB as a ketone ester drink, this, this, this expensive stuff, restores CD4 plus T cell metabolism and function in respiratory infections, ultimately reducing the mortality of SARS-CoV-2 infected mice. Mice, all right. But that the mice actually by changing their diet in this way had a much reduced mortality. It doesn't say or, it says and, Ulrike, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And so they mean or, uh, so either they fed them or gave them that uh, drink. If you do a ketogenic diet, you don't have to feed that stuff because the body will produce it itself. I'll tell you how that works in a minute. And here they say the potential of beta hydroxychloride uh, is broadly applicable as a treatment and uh, the func to enhance the functional T-cell response in uh, situations that for example, con, uh, coincide with bad nutrition or severe diseases, and that they are observed in the context of infections, and that also includes tumor growth, tumor patients. Uh, that's our actual topic in my work, the using this with tumor patients, this type of diet. This, uh, Pharmacom doesn't have to be taken from the outside. Everybody uh, can produce this apart from a few who ha have a genetic disease, which is very rare. Each of us will produce this when we fasten or have a ketogenic diet. Uh, the main place of production is the liver the intestines and our brain as well, as well as the kidneys. And it has many positive effects beyond the reduction of inflammations in cancerous situations. But um, one thing on the brain, this uh, cure fasting and things that many people see if they do a ketogenic diet, that they feel better, they are more clear in their thinking. That has a quite clear pharmacologic component because it takes the um, um, the uh, regulation and it is antidepressive. 
uh, you could do that by a ketosis. And this is something that's why they have this high or um, long distance runners have this who do this high. Uh, doctor, I knew um, tried this and she told me that she had to stop um, because she said, I, I feel like I'm on drugs all the time, all the time. And she did stop it, actually. She was a bit scared that she uh, just felt too well all the time. Um, so that's an important factor to note here. If in these times um, you are suffering from the long COVID consequences or the vaccination consequences, such an antidepressive uh, effect wouldn't be too bad. This MLRP3 chromosome is what I told you. The target structures of um, that uh, 3OHB already looked at quite clearly. It's in the psychosis colon. Um, there's good data about that uh, in the cancer on there and the cancer. Uh, having a bit of an issue with my computer at the moment. And here you see in breast cancer, that's our topic, and important articular sclerosis, diabetic uh, retinopathy, um, that is um, problems of the eyes, and important for the brain, Alzheimer and Parkinson uh, can be excellently treated with ketogenic diet. And what has not been mentioned here is that the original ketogenic uh, diet is epileptics. Um, this has been for areas uh, for um, people who have uh, epidemic ep uh, uh, attacks um, and they have that ketogenic diet, um, they don't have any uh, attacks anymore. And uh, so this is one um, toy type of therapy for epilepsis and epilepsis, and that's very uh, successful. And then the pharma industry came to the market, and it was easier to subscribe a drug uh, against epilepsy rather than uh, giving uh, people, uh, putting th people to a diet. And that's how the diet kind of vanished away in context of epilepsy. If you're interested to read this up, you could look at the Tully Foundation. Tully Foundation is been founded by Jim Eprehens, a Hollywood producer who had a son, Charlie, still has them, uh, who had severe epilepsy as a child. And you can look at that at the Charlie Foundation's homepage, highly dramatic. And he describes, uh, well, he, he dropped from one attack to the next and the uh, doctors shot him out with uh, drugs and it didn't work. And I think he says, they told him, uh, your child will become a mushroom or something like that. And then he himself started to do some research and he just got one work group in the Johns Hopkins University who does this ketogenic and then they flew there. And actually within three days, the child was free of attacks. 
And, well, of course, he knows a lot of people, he's got loads of money, and so he asked, how can that be? And on that page, there's a great interview with the doctor who treated Charlie. Why didn't you apply this? Did you know it worked? Yes, he did, but we didn't apply it. Well, then they, he says, you can't make money if you uh, subscribe, uh, prescribe uh, drugs, uh, butter or eggs to people. So, scandalous. Um, luckily, um, that triggered research and now it's being used uh, quite effectively, even though if the clinical physicians don't see this as a first-line treatment, but uh, only take it as a third or fourth last line of hope after the children have been drugged with uh, tons of psychopharmaca or other drugs. Uh, normally, that should be the first chart and uh, Eric Wasserfahn in the US who do it a lot, they say they do it for two weeks. If it works, everything is fine. The child will stay on ketogenic diet, and if it doesn't work, they'll go for the anti-epileptic drugs. So, Ulrike, when we first discussed this, <clears throat> I had heard about this Charlie Foundation uh, story. I was really shocked. It's really unbelievable if you think about it. If you can try this, and if it actually helps a lot of people, then this is absolutely incredible that parents and children are left in this horror of um, allopathy uh, treatments with all its failures, risks, etc., uh, that they uh, continue having these cramps, etc., these spasms. I find that absolutely shocking. I mean, that is really failure to um, lend support um, if treatments that are helpful in many cases are not applied. That's really incredible. Yes, and it's all been published. It doesn't help in all cases, I have to say, but um, nearly half of the children can be freed of attacks and you have to carry it on for three years, two years only, and then they are free of attacks for the rest of their lives because the brain has normalized and then there are some cases where at least the severe attacks are dramatically reduced, and there's a very few cases where it doesn't help at all. And there we have to say, of course, traditional or school medicine is pharmaceutical medicine is the approach. However, you should uh, move from the simple to the difficult, and um, this is why a simple diet would be the best point to start. There's good clinics for that. Um, I can only recommend everybody who has a child or anybody else with epilepsy have a look at what Charlie Foundation do. Um, there is lots of clinics in Germany who apply this as well. Jim Abrams, if uh, somebody doesn't know what to think of him after Sarah Bennett, this uh, fellow has a lot of <laughs> good sense of humor. He is, for instance, the editor of uh, The Naked Gun, then Airplane, Hot Shots, so Kentucky, Kentucky Fried Movie, so uh, really crazy uh, films. You can't do that with a lot of humor now. But if you're a, a basically positive person, you might have the idea that there's a hope for everything. Then you look it up and then you come up with this sort of thing. Yeah, he even did a film on it. Um, you can look at it, Meryl Streep played in, in it. 
she's a friend of him. It's called uh, First Montam. Uh, as long first, as you know uh, from no Germany. That's the title of the film. That's like the Hippocratic Oath. Yes, and the case described there is uh, a real case as well the, that the film describes. It's not Charlie. It's a different case, but that's as realistic. It's, it's as real. And there are thousands of such cases by now. Well, it's not a cure-all, but it is a thank, uh, thanks God by now clinically uh, recognized method uh, and it is really easy to implement with all the things you can do now. So let me skip this very briefly. What's also important with these long COVID patients, they often say that the blood fats and cholesterol are too high and then these people uh, are uh, given statin, uh, although uh, the main component of the cell membrane is cholesterol. Um, so if I artificially reduce it, then I can't repair the damage done to my cells. Um, but uh, there are many critics who attack this treatment and they say, oh, so much fat and the uh, blood fat will increase. But no, that's not true. If the, if you do it right, the tri uh, triglycerides go down and the so-called good cholesterol, HDL, uh, increases. So the HDL-LDL uh, ratio changes. Many clinical, several clinical studies have shown that already. So you can... Um, get the triglycerides uh, back to the 50s with no problem at all. Then uh, the German magazine Erzeblatt has uh, written uh, intestinal cancer, um, high fiber um, diet increases survival chance, and that's, um, uh, it says here, um, Fatty tissues, of fatty acids such as uh, bicharate, acetate, etc., can help. And then you ask, what are uh, fibers? And, uh, and then people say, oh, it scrubs your uh, intestine or it uh, fills the intestine and that sort of thing. But no, that's not true at all. These um, um, fibers are uh, turned into these uh, sh uh, short-chain fatty acids such as acetate, uh, um, butyrate, uh, propionate, and this butyrate has the same effect as the uh, um, uh, substance I mentioned earlier. So um, this ballast is helpful if we have the right uh, intestinal fauna, flora. And uh, they should come from uh, vegetables, leafy vegetables. Avocado is excellent. Uh, it has a poor eco-balance, um, but it is extremely high in fats and um, ballast. So it's uh, perfect for a ketonic uh, diet. You can uh, get them artificially uh, from bamboo fiber, then linseed, uh, hemp. Uh, olives, etc., and that would be a healthy um, food pyramid. Uh, so you'd have a lot of these high ballast uh, vegetables. Um, please note, uh, ballast, high ballast, often means uh, sold as uh, whole grain, um, but uh, whole grain um, has. Uh, 
lignanes um, in them, uh, in the shell, that is not suitable uh, for our digestion. Um, humankind hasn't invested huge effort into processing uh, grain. Uh, if whole grain were so um, healthy for us, then many uh, women in uh, Neolithical societies or in Africa wouldn't have had to go to such great lengths to grind down the grains. This was only done because um, people realized that uh, grains aren't so um, good for you as whole grains, so do not eat uh, whole, uh, whole grain. This is not um, in line with the mainstream, but unfortunately that's a fact that this is the way it is. Now, concerning uh, ketogene, a ketogene diet, with this um, food um, pyramid, there's a lot of animal um, fat. Of course, you can do that in a vegetarian way as well. There are some vegans who managed to pull this off. There's a rehab clinic that uh, deals with epilepsy, epilepsy uh, patients, and um, they can do this uh, ketogene uh, diet in a vegan form. I would find it too complicated, but if you wish to find, you can do it. What's important is that I get into this fasting mode, basically, the metabolism goes to fasting mode. So, uh, so you have to um, have a rule of thumb, uh, two grams of fat, one gram of co uh, carbohydrates and protein. And uh, at the beginning, you have to always calculate it. After a while, you uh, develop a feel for it. So it's a typical day uh, plan because it says you only eat mountains of meat and it's absurd what you eat there, and that is not true. That's a well-calculated ketogene uh, diet. That is, of course, um, cream uh, quark with um, uh, some fruits, uh, then a cracker, um, and there are ketogenic uh, uh, breads that are available. The cake is, of course, not from the bakery around the corner, but you can get a fully uh, ketogenic uh, Schwarz, uh, Black Forest tart. And this doesn't really look like you're um, going through a lot of suffering if you kind of eat that kind of uh, food. Now, what happens uh, if you eat this? Uh, the same like with fasting. The problem is if I fast for a short time, then you burn a lot of muscle tissue. You don't want to do that, but we need it. Uh, and it uh, uses up uh, most energy. That's the brain. And our brain needs, we believe, glucose because that's what we learned, because we live in a time where everything is handled with uh, carbohydrates. But that's not the way it is. Our brain can very well live with a uh, ketone uh, body. 60 to 70 percent of our energy need for the brain can be covered with ketone bodies. Um, um, someone has called it a super fuel because it burns very uh, in a very clean way physiologically. And with the fatty um, acids, or if you um, fast and you uh, use up your onboard reserves, they can uh, provide energy to all the other um, 
um, tissues, they can hardly move into the brain because they can't uh, break the uh, blood-brain barrier. And as the brain can't absorb fatty tissues, that's why um, they in, uh, it invented this detour via the uh, ketone bodies, because then you can get the um, fatty tissues into the brain through the back door, as it were. And so um, uh, people were um, given the uh, op uh, option during the uh, Korea War that they could either go to war or uh, participate in a uh, an experiment with a keton, uh, ket uh, ketonic um, diet. And then uh, those were the findings they had. The uh, hydroxybutyrate uh, increases, glucose goes down, fatty acids go up, and acetoacetate also increases. And that's the this and that at the, uh, together delivers energy. And for the physicians listening in, oh, all right, there's, oh, um, we have it here now. The uh, physicians, when they hear uh, ketosis, uh, they think of ketoacidosis, um, lethal danger. And that is true. Ketoacidosis is a life-threatening situation. But this only uh, occurs with uh, low insulin, so with uh, diabetics or alcoholics or others. And the difference is that a physiological uh, ketosis, um, the uh, blood uh, sugar level re re remains low and uh, um, pH, arterial pH is normal, um, electrolytes are normal and the rest is, uh, remains the same. And with ketoacidose, the blood sugar is above 250 milligrams. Uh, so uh, ketoacidose is a normal um, condition because if we think of uh, about where did we live before agriculture, that was what our uh, uh, food was. Uh, we had to eat what we uh, what it got. They didn't have a bakery around the corner and muffin to go and whatnot. So they had to take what uh, delivered energy, fish or meat. Well, there was a lot of fat, everything was eaten. Um, they couldn't uh, go to the luxury of throwing out uh, bone marrow and, and, and all that sort of thing. So they ate it all uh, with a few herbs, um, mushrooms, uh, eggs were only available in the spring, and then some seeds, um, very rarely some berries. And please don't imagine that the apples and pears looked like that or plums, the, the precursors were very small berries and very rarely and oftentimes obtained uh, under great pain. Uh, there was a little bit of sweet and that was the honey. That was the only real sugar, um, uh, pure sugar. So uh, humanity is used to live with ketosis. That's an interesting um, uh, ethnicity. The Mensi, uh, people living in the Siberian tundra, nomads. Uh, I uh, always say that was a children's um, anniversary because they all look quite proper. But uh, what I uh, saw when I uh, researched that without words, they live in the Siberian tundra, and that's those are pictures from last year. 
And you have to say the Russians are as stupid and crazy as we are or the Americans um, have to say sorry. Well, that answer the question whether the great savior is waiting for us. Probably not. Well, when I saw that, I thought you must be joking, people. This can't be true. You can see the sleighs, the traditional tents, everything like it uh, has been for centuries, probably uh, millennia. Well, they have a little bit of a um, plastic container here. And then gloves and masks, face masks, because there are so many cases rampant up there in the Arctic, Arctic tundra. Okay, I won't go on. Um, I'll skip the psychological aspect. Alzheimer, energy for the brain um, um, is very important uh, for me. A lot of people report about brain fog after a COVID uh, um, disease and after um, these uh, injections. And it, uh, one of the uh, consequences oftentimes is inflammation of the brain. So um, I, I've heard it, heard it before that uh, this fatigue syndrome being a chronic inflammation of the brain. And here it says uh, high uh, fatty uh, diet as a treatment for Alzheimer uh, patients. And for Alzheimer, it has been shown that the brain itself can't absorb uh, glucose anymore, but the uh, uh, ketone absorption is normal in those parts of the brain that are still uh, working. And um, there's another uh, scandal, Mary Newport. She is a, um, a pediatric uh, physician and her husband was um, had Alzheimer's at 54. And in the New York Times, uh, she published this uh, article, what if there was a cure for Alzheimer's disease no one knew? So it's the same thing as with the Abrams story there with the epilepsy. And she found that if she, he was supposed to participate in a medication experiment, but he was gone too far to participate. And she found what is in this medication, it's MCT, it's an oily substance made from coconut oil from coconut oil and she said okay 60 percent mct uh, 20 grams of uh, mct uh, is equivalent to 35 grams of coconut oil and um, she um, bought coconut oil there was just one jar available and she mixed it into her husband's food and he got a lot better and she said my god what could we have um, spared ourselves with these MCTs, by the way, that's a nice thing. If you want to indulge a bit more up here, you can include a bit more MCT and you still uh, stay in the ketosis. And the best uh, MCT products are avocado, macadamia, uh, coconuts, and uh, olives in oil. Anything you can, uh, all things that you can eat that, is e that are even vegan. And I said the uh, basic rule of thumb, four grams of fats uh, on 1.5 grams of uh, protein and 0.5 gram co carbohydrate. Um, then you have more uh, protein. With this MCT-based diet, you could have 10 to 20% more carbohydrate and uh, protein. But if you really want to try it with the MCTs, be careful. 
If you take too many of them, make sure you're near a loo. A fat recommendation. I think we can actually make it available to people at some stage and I don't have to go um, through it all. Yeah, it'd be great. If you could send that to us, we could provide a link to the audience. Well, what's really important is fat as the main energy source, and um, it's all about uh, inflammation. There are two main types of fats. There's the omega-3. They are anti-inflammatory, and the omega-6. They are inflammatory uh, fostering, and uh, what's ideal are um, poorly unsaturated uh, fats, uh, fats uh, linseed and hemp oil, and the bad ones are thistle oil, um, uh, sunflower oil, and grape um, pip oil. And then the sources of protein, uh, meat, uh, fish, egg for non-vegans. Well, of course, if you eat uh, cheap meat, um, whatever crap is fed to those animals, you eat it then. So fish um, uh, from cold water culture should be uh, preferred, like um, here in Germany would be uh, trout, carp, or eel. Um, then uh, meat from uh, animals kept under appropriate conditions, because if they eat crap, you eat it too, of course. And then there's um, eggs from uh, free-range hens, so um, that's where you should. That's what you should go for. Vegan, as I said, um, if you want to do that, tofu and soy meal, um, uh, soy flour, and um, um, that. Unfortunately, vegan usually uh, use a lot of um, uh, whole uh, meal, um, whole grain flours, and as I said, that's not ideal. I'll send all of these things to you. That's ideas on how to make a, a ketogenous uh, breakfast, uh, the classical uh, egg and bacon and omelette. That's all uh, ketogene um, uh, lunch. Um, those are all things that we did, and we took those pictures from meals that we prepared for our patients. So all of that is recommendable. Then dinner, you can do all of this. That's a pizza, uh, tuna um, uh, in oil, in, uh, then a um, uh, chocolate cream. It can be very indulgent, um, uh, particularly if you suffer from vaccination uh, damage, then this is certainly good for you. Again, uh, once I send this to you, I'll correct uh, uh, these things, these these uh, errors that are in the wrong uh, way. How can you uh, check your success? There are ketone strips that you can use uh, to dip into your urine, and the darker, the more ketone uh, you have. Uh, I tried it yesterday. I have the benefit of doing that for a long, long time already, and if I go briefly into ketosis, I always go to the maximum, basically. But it's actually if you are in this mid-range there. So it's always worth a try, um, just with epilepsy and Alzheimer's, uh, particularly for long COVID and for um, vaccination damage. It does make sense because it's 
goes uh, or counteracts these um, exaggerate inflammation responses in your body. That was your bird? Nope. That was a uh, video bird. I don't have any owls. And um, they don't look like that uh, as cute. Well, I think that was extremely important. I do assume that is going to be very well received. Uh, I've uh, taken along a lot of things. My wife will love this because she understands it better than I do. But here we are very, very thankful for that. And also because you don't necessarily need to eat uh, funny food, but what you've just shown looks like yummy. Yeah, of course, if you do it right. I had a uh, doctorate, uh, doctorate student and uh, she was very interested in it and we had cooking and baking contests over the weekend. We cooked and baked and then uh, on Monday uh, there was sampling uh, with the whole uh, team and we generated recipes for our um, patients. But there's a host available now. Also for bodybuilders, sports people, they've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, uh, period as an uh, anabolic diet uh, because I said if you fast for a short period overnight and the brain needs uh, sugar and you don't have as much blood sugar uh, to um, provide enough power for the brain so um, overnight uh, some uh, protein is turned into um, sugar and that's of course muscle tissue and then some um, sports people found that they lost the muscle uh, tissue that they built up during the day. And once they're ketosis, uh, in ketosis, that doesn't happen. Body fat goes down. And that is what these bodybuilders want, that they have a lot of muscles and a little and very little fat. Ulrike, may I, I just look this up? Um, there's criticism on this diet, and the only thing is uh, the question of how long can you do it? Can you do it without interruption, or do you have to take breaks? Um, it is said here that uh, you shouldn't do this without interruption. Well, we have a cancer patient who, at the age of 28, uh, suffered a mama CR. Um, prognosis less than two years and she tried all and everything and then uh, moved on to ketosis that was 11 years ago and for several years now she has been living with this um, in ketosis continuously and I do it um, throughout the year with the exception of two to three days when there was a family uh, gathering or whatever and I did it for 10 years running well, critics reason it by saying that uh, certain enzymes, enzymes are missing and you um, unlearn how to handle carbohydrates. No, um, if you stop it, you'll um, uh, suffer headache. It's the same as moving into it, so the body has to adjust. The best experience is if people do that uh, uh, all out for a quarter of a year because then the body learns about this because all the enzymes have to be adjusted that make and uh, metabolize uh, ketones and the body is not normally used to that. 
and uh, the receptors on the surfaces, um, they have to be built up. And once you have that and then you sin, as it were, the more often you uh, flip back and forth, the more unproblematic it becomes. I can really do that like I uh, want to. I can go flip back and forth. And uh, if I know I'm not in ketosis and we have the um, pollen in the air, then I notice and I get a hay fever and I go back to ketosis. Well, that points out that um, that underpins what you said, that there is populations of people in parts of the world where this is an automatic diet, so to say, and they spend their life with it. Exactly. They have nothing else to go on. And if you look at the history of this, uh, uh, an Arctic uh, researcher wrote a, a book, um, Cancer Disease of Civilization. It's really interesting because even back then in 1909, they organized uh, expeditions to the Mackenzie Delta uh, because they realized that the, well, what's called Inuit today, back then it was the Eskimo, that people, when they moved into, when the women um, moved to uh, port uh, cities because they married some Western um, uh, seamen, um, sailors, uh, they developed breast cancer. And those who uh, lived uh, traditionally, they never knew cancer. And they looked at the uh, expeditions and they found it must be this their uh, diet. That's also, um, are there any works on autoimmune diseases in this respect? There are some interesting things um, with a view to Morbus, Morbus Crohn because uh, they're also triggered by these inflammatory reactions. And there's something interesting in uh, Italy, there are migraine patients and patients with the so-called cluster headaches. And there's a huge cohort in Italy with more than 10,000 people who uh, do uh, ketosis under clinical controls, and they have dramatic improvement of their cluster uh, headache um, cases. So a lot can be done there. And the people who criticize that, well, one uh, type of diet and it's good against everything. No, the problem is something is different. We take our metabolism back to its uh, physiological program, and all the other things are induced. Um, insulin, for instance, also leads to a very severe uh, respo uh, inflammatory responses. One of the most uh, uh, the worst triggers is insulin. So if we reduce that, the uh, anti-inflammatory effects um, um, go with it. And then uh, nearly all of the uh, effects that we have based on inflammation, cancer too is often based on inflammatory uh, reactions. So it's so helpful against so many things. Sounds very convincing, yes, yes. Well, nobody is obliged. So I'm not uh, uh, preaching um, um, any miracles here. It's an option, you can just try it out. It's a question of habit as well, I think. Well, Ulrika, I find it great that you made it so palpable here, because at first sight it sounds so terrible that um, you're not allowed to, I don't know, I'm not really uh, crazy about cake, but that you can't eat those things. I mean, it looks like you have to forego everything you love eating. Um, there are things that I love eating, and I, I find that it feels like uh, I have this improved feeling after eating. That is something that really is worthwhile to develop this kind of thing. And uh, as you showed, 
there are quite attractive things that you can find on the table there, and uh, it doesn't look worse than other food. And um, I saw it in uh, Israel where we found someone who um, does this very thing. He went back from 120 kilos that he had over years, uh, and he did 12 hours of sports at the, at the end to counteract it and diets that uh, uh, he always flipped back. It was always uh, yo-yo-like. He uh, got fatter and fatter, and he's now down to 80 kilos. He looks top fit, and he only had three eggs at night for dinner. That's it. But he says he wouldn't uh, miss it, and he looked so healthy. It was an... Um, uh, world change, um, a sea change, and it's really uh, something uh, that you should try to see if we can, if you can live with it. And I thought uh, it's great that you made it so palpable. Is there any type of pasta that is ketogene? Yes, you can make it yourself, yourselves from uh, based on soy uh, flour. We have a recipe for that. So we made a, a page for cancer patients that includes uh, these recipes, and I got a. Uh, pasta making a machine, and um, then I had all these uh, this pasta dangling from the uh, kitchen ceiling uh, to dry it. Well, in soy, you have to watch out for gene manipulated uh, flour. You check out check out the sources. Anyway, great, good stuff, and very inspiring. Thank you very much, Ulrika. Yes, Ulrika, great stuff. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's hope that it'll help. Uh, one or the other through their spike damages. It's worth a try. And as I said, I'll send you some of the material and uh, then you can you can do that. Absolutely. We will. Yes, I'm sure people want to have this. I know of a few people who would. Okay, Ulrika, thank you very much. Okay, so let's uh, not keep Martin waiting. He's a candidate as well for this. Okay. Ulrike, thank, you very, thank you very much. Okay. Hello, Martin. Hello. Until now, I did interval fasting, um, fasting for half an hour, and then I returned to food. Maybe I'll have to change that pattern. Anyway, don't worry. Uh, I was a bit early in the session, so I heard a bit of Ulrike's presentation. Uh, very interesting. Maybe that is going to be something that uh, I'll have to discuss um, what to do. Anyway, um, uh, sorry for the jumping picture. That is because I am sitting outside and I got the laptop and the webcam on my lap. Uh, so uh, that is um, due to the circumstance Anyway, that I can't sit in my office. Uh, so, hello, first of all. You were going to give us an update on the mass sample letters that you mentioned last week, but also speak about the census, and I would like to say something on it. The census, this questioning of the population about what are your um, assets. That's not a German approach. It's a lockstep again that is also happening across the globe. So this is of generic uh, importance what you're telling us now. Yes. So what should I start with? Well, get started uh, with the update on the mass sample letters. 
Uh, the mask. Yes, there was a press release on 3rd of August by Lotterman, uh, the Minister of uh, Health and Minister of Justice. Apparently, they quarreled a bit about the measures and what they should go on and so on. And they announced that we will get mask mandates from fifth grade onwards, tests in the in the grades below. I'll have to check on that. Um, I have no completed document that from the federal government. Um, I know. Uh, so if you want to stop the masks at school and the tests, if you want to make sure that the children are not threatened again, then you should now ideally now take action and write to those who decide whether that uh, um, law will be passed in the federal parliament and i'm preparing um, some sample letters um, prepared for the voting situation in the federal parliament and in that i'm going to adapt it a bit to adjusted to the agreement of the Ministry of uh, Health and Justice. And I'll need to add two more things to it. One is something that uh, kind of passed me by uh, spring last year, and it only came back um, with the report 24 with an Austrian doctor reporting on this, who was successful um, with the medicament to um, uh, care. We're talking about Gudigosit. Um She was bullied by AstraZeneca against that. She published a study in uh, April 21 documenting that this could dramatically improve severe COVID diseases. It's a simple asthma spray. And uh, even Mr. Lauterbach uh, advertised um, on the question on how to treat COVID-19. Maybe that could be added. And the second thing I want to put in is that Mr. Lauterbach, the Minister of Health, says, look what happened on July 31st on the preprint platform medaxif.org. And that is a study titling the Med efficacy of masks and prevention of COVID-19, a systematic review. So checking on the efficacy of masks to protect people from COVID-19 in a systematic overview. That is a meta study. Uh, at first glance, it looks gigantic that um, the databases <coughs> have 1,700 studies on that. And we're talking about a period April to May 2020. So that is the studies covered, uh, ones that um, are not uh, up to date, possibly. And they selected 13 of 1,700. 13 studies were selected to, um, according to something that I got to read up, what the criteria were. It was results were reported according to the preferred reporting items for systematic reviews and analysis. 
PRISMA criteria. So this is something that one would have to look up what that stands for. It's not clear why exactly these 13 studies had the subsumption under these criteria successfully and others didn't. And the outcome was so, but the upshot was that the masks are really helpful. Yeah, out of these uh, 230 that were infected, 97 were masked and 146 didn't. And that is the great proof for mask efficacy. Uh, even Andrew Ullman, um, chair of the health committee in the federal parliament, says that is thin ice to go on. Anyway, as uh, somebody, um, a Stanford professor, um, says, uh, that is misuse of scientific authority. I have to comment on that otherwise. Great stuff, uh, masks will help, and they'll forget about all the rest. That uh, kind of reminds me on the first lockdown in June 2020, there was a study in Nature uh, from the same group of researchers. Neil, around Neil Ferguson, who uh, did the studies before, and they wanted to show that up to 31 million people, uh, many lives have been saved worldwide. With so primitive mistakes that uh, um, they have been criticized immediately by Stefan Humburg and uh, others in uh, Frontiers of Medicine. So that was uh, in Sweden, they said, um, it was a great effect not to have soccer games while other countries didn't have this. So I don't think um, the virus is very strong in Swedish football stadiums. That's something that needs some explanation. However, that went up and down all the mainstream media saying, yes, we saved life with lockdowns. And I do fear that this is going to happen with the mask as well. And so this is why where we have to inform people uh, stopping this science to be misused for politics. We hear all these announcements, particularly by Mr. Lauterbach, that beginning 1st of October, we have to expect dramatic mask mandates and possibly limitations of visitors to restaurants and other places. How, and that is a question, uh, uh, about facts uh, directed to you, therefore, uh, Wolfgang, and then legal uh, evaluation by you, Martin. How can you know that 1st of uh, October mass will be needed and um, re restrictions on the numbers of people in restaurants and hotels? This is not crystal ball. This is crystal ball. This is uh, blinding. If we look what others do, um, a, a virus doesn't care for national borders, and the others do this. Only the idiots in Berlin seem to think that way. They seem to be um, able to look into the future, far off any evidence-based uh, health, and the ministers who decided that differently in other countries would probably agree to me. But if there's no real basis for such forecasts, now, Martin, how can you respond to that in, a, in legal terms, is that what I mean? 
Are they, uh, well, they're fooling the population, that's obvious, but what would be the legal appraisal there um, if without any scientific basis people um, are announcing health in, um, interferences and, and limitations of their freedom? Well, the starting point is paragraph 5, uh, section 9, Infection Protection Act. Uh, measures have to be evaluated, and that didn't happen. And uh, the evaluation showed that lots of things can't be evaluated because the government doesn't provide da data, which they must have had done. So that means not a single one of the measures is justified. I uh, want to remind you of a court decision in Lüneburg briefly before the emergency break. Um, as they called it, where um, in the second appeal, they said a general uh, ruling of the city of Hanover uh, stopped a, a ban uh, to go on the roads from 10 o'clock at night to 5 o'clock in the morning. And they said, the court said, after a year of pandemic, they could expect more data. You can't just work on hypotheses. If you are afraid that the youth people meet, uh, maybe lock these places, uh, but don't uh, lock everybody up at home. So that means maybe this decision was one of the reasons why um, they took the federal emergency break, because the chancellor noted that the courts are asking critical questions. But that would probably be the uh, legal approach to take. Um, maybe the courts uh, may have somehow decided wrong due to lack of knowledge or whatever. Um, we don't have to really kick people's balls right in the beginning. But um, now it's well time that we have a fundamental report showing that there's no scientific evidence for this uh, measures. Um, you've got to read the small print, though, to understand this, that some mass studies um, were done with uh, guinea pigs. However, uh, before I talk too much about that, I'll look at the evaluation report with respect to that point. However, uh, the truth is that the efficacy of masks is uh, completely void. Um, according to recent studies, very um, comprehensive studies um, with different communities, neighboring communities, um, different states in the US, one um, state with mask mandates and the other with none, and they compared them and um, the corona levels were identical in both places. So that's quite a different thing rather than taking 1,700 studies and uh, only looking at 13. So bluntly put, we have to look at the scientific work that's uh, down the pipeline here, and that seems to be strongly against the use of masks in general and in schools specifically. We'll have to see if there's no scientific evidence. The state, which has had two times, two years' time to deliver valid data, has um, um, 
waive their right to lock down everybody for simple safety reasons. There's no justification if anymore, if there had ever been one. And uh, that's the approach that we have to take in front of the courts if the corona regulations are going to come back in. And that's the idea of it here. And we have to look at the state constitutions um, to see what opportunities there were and um, there are some federal states that have individual constitutions that can be uh, taken to court and so that would be uh, address to take if you don't have any trust into the gentleman in Karlsruhe. Martin, particularly uh, when it comes to this evaluation report, I severely attacked it here as uh, Professor uh, Bergholz uh, spoke about it. I don't think it's worth the paper it's printed on. And um, accordingly, um, a former judge who is now with the uh, critical uh, judges and uh, public prosecutors, an organization called Krista, and I'm very, I was very happy to hear this rather than always hearing uh, political statement, uh, uh, political correctness statements. Uh, bottom line, I agree with you. If they're unable to say, right, we have the data, and they say, oh no, it's all too complicated, then it, there can be no legal justification anymore for any of these measures. Um, there can be no uh, other conclusion that we can draw. Um, there has been uh, some uh, very tentative criticism of these measures, but unfortunately uh, there were some um, vaccination recommendations in this report as well. But uh, bottom line, without concrete data availability, if they say we don't have the concrete data, you can't conjure up a uh, legal justification. Without data, no legal justification. That's the way it is, pure and simple. Margarita last time made very clear what she thinks about uh, evidence-based research um, in this respect with masks on children. There's such a lot of evidence of what everybody can see that uh, children, pediatric doctors say this, everybody who's responsible for children didn't observe that anything happened to the children with respect to corona. They only saw that the children suffer from the mask. Everybody can see that. It's obvious. So, um, talking about research, um, that's paid. And that's the topic that we're looking at here. Wolfgang, you just froze. Well, who pays can pay, can determine what's the outcome. That's unfortunately the situation that we're in. Well, I was going to add that there's something uh, going through the channels now. A 15-year-old girl from the 10th grade of a, a grammar school um, in Wolfenbüttel must have uh, painted a picture in the school paper where a girl shows a mask, where behind the masks uh, these, uh, the mask kind of uh, takes the shape of two uh, hands that uh, 
uh, make her shut her mouth. And that is the picture we should show uh, to legislators, uh, telling them that's what you're doing if you uh, condone this law. Um, I have to say it's a challenge. I want the legislators uh, to be addressed directly. I don't. I write. I want to write to them myself. I don't have children of my own, but of course I got a lot of uh, letters from uh, parents and teachers who didn't know where to turn in their desperation anymore uh, about these uh, tests and masks and all. So. The situation is probably such that it is recommendable that this longish um, letter um, be abridged to two pages or so, uh, so that the uh, legislators can say, okay, these are the main uh, lines of the argument, and if you need to know uh, more, you can uh, go to such and such a uh, website and you get the full text. And that's one thing I'm working now. I'm also working on the distribution. How can you ensure that you can reach all legislators um, with one click? And I've had uh, quite interesting and promising discussions with uh, by phone uh, recently. And uh, if you write to uh, members of parliament, you have to uh, watch one law. It's the uh, the Act on Transparency of Lobbyism. Um, I don't know what it's called, but it, you have to um, put your name on a lobby uh, register. I did that. So since yesterday, I uh, have been a uh, publicly registered lobbyist. And I, what is the lobby um, that I uh, represent? Well, a state of law, freedom and democracy, but above all, children. Children, that's uh, whom I've been working for for two and a half years now. Um, and um, I think that the best uh, lobbyists for their children are the parents, if they do their job as parents right and uh, perceive the uh, signs of suffering in their children and interpret them correctly. So do not be afraid to register there, because if you don't uh, and you write something nonetheless, you will be fined. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, it's uh, uh, applies to uh, individuals that make sense because otherwise all the lobbyists would, the lobbying organizations would split down into individual persons and you'd never know who they speak for. But uh, if you address um, individual MPs, um, um, if you write to them with the uh, hopes of influencing legislation, then you have to register in this uh, registry. So that is uh, what my homework is for next week. Okay, let's move on to the census topic, please. Yes, well, census, we all got this nice letter, or many of us did, where we are to complete a survey formula uh, or do it online, even if we don't do it online, we get a paper survey asking how many rooms you have in your flat and how you heated and things like that. The legal basis for this census is the so-called Census Act 2022, 
And that again serves to implement a regulation, 783 from 2008, which um, was done by the EU. You said it's a role that's uh, being rolled out worldwide. The EU uh, set the roles for this, the, the laid out the tracks for this in 2008 already, and now the German legislator wants to implement this. This is a building census. It's a building census, not a person census. And if you look at the aim this act has, it says quite funny things, which I'll have to look up. Just a minute. It says that this is to collect data on planning political decisions for the population, the economy, the environment, so for everything, really. And the aim of this directive in 2008 on EU level is the sole um, collection of data that the uh, legislators need to um, take up their work on the paragraph two and three on the collaboration of the European Union, <clears throat> which in turn say that a real transparent uh, statement of what to do with the data is what we don't have, also not in paragraph 11, where it says what this is for. We know not everybody got this beautiful letter, um, only a part of us did. And it also says that um, they're asking uh, for questions um, for, that are not officially known. And what they will do with that type of information is what the legislator does not tell us. So now the situation is um, I'm following what I sent to Corvin as a sample letter. I got this letter as well and uh, answered the question, how many rooms and so on does my flat have? Um, that uh, leaves you some room to play. What do I do, if, for example, if the apartment has a cellar, if it has functionally separated area with areas which are not uh, separated by walls. For example, you have a living room and a dining room with no wall. And what do you do if you have uh, sliding walls or sliding doors that uh, you can split up the rooms and so on and so forth? So that's a load of interpretation that is possible. And as you don't want to answer these wrongly, because that would be uh, finable, you point out to a, a separate letter where you answer these questions to the best of your knowledge verbally. And what any um, government doesn't like is a real life that doesn't match their formula or their form sheets. And here we have opportunity to do that. So as I said, I didn't do that online. I did that in written. And what came back is of course, I put uh, my letter to it, and what came back was um, we are asking you to contribute uh, 
We didn't get anything back. That doesn't seem to have arrived, that letter. So now they get it by registered letter. And uh, <clears throat> I have the question, uh, what well, the age of the flat and or the house and said, well, full transparency, what you do is what we don't have in the legal act, not in the EU directive either. Um, you may have heard that the concern goes around that these information may be misused for um, measures to take people's property away um, and uh, that this may be um, you may know uh, that this act is already in the uh, in the legislation um, and to show you that of check the facts uh, um, that all your fact checkers uh, did take work for uh, however I didn't rely on that but I checked the legal act myself and I got one message here that the um, there is no legal base yet to put um, to take loans on uh, the houses to compensate for vaccination damages um, that would have need a change a change in the legislation but I also put um, uh, there was an expertise as well which I put in saying that um, burden sharing in any kind of way uh, with respect to corona has some concerns but there is already since 2022 a feasibility study of the scientific services um, of the federal parliament discussing what could be done how the cost of the corona crisis could be funded by burden sharing or conscription of wealth um, and the more we hear about the damage uh, caused by in, uh, the injections, we'll have to discuss liabilities and what responsibility does the federal government have and who will be held responsible and who will be payable. Um, and the statistic office that is responsible for my um, building couldn't be covered yet. It's uh, published recently by someone from the Green Party she thinks that a temporary conspiration of wealth is possible in the context of the crisis. So it is being discussed in the political room, in the political space, but uh, <clears throat> not yet since yesterday. So all of that is been discussed already in the parties already in June 2021. And then in my sample letters, um, which is the a sample um, I told you I told them if that is the discussion in our political sphere I can't really follow fact checks um, of DPA I have to be concerned that the census data will be used for conscription of wealth and then I said I want to have a declaration of data privacy from you that respects um, the prohibition of the following use 
for the uh, reduction and uh, conscription of wealth, of any burden, any um, um, exploration, any uh, use of third parties or whatever kind, and expect that you send a data um, Protection Act um, that respects this. But from the answer that I'll get, or I won't get, will allow me to detect, well, try to get by trust that this is not going to happen, or do they just tell about us as being conspiracy theory, right-wing Nazi-Nazi, and this is all uh, anti-constitutional, and please make sure to not get a uh, visit from the secret police. That would take me to the next step by taking my way forward, I have to move carefully here, I have to say. Um, if I got that answer, I would have to consider what action I should take um, for these things that are not there. So then I would have to say that the prohibition of using sensor data, census data for this have to be co uh, gone to court, taken to court, there may be opportunity for that because our uh, judges have their houses which they don't want to lose. I'm quite sure of that. So maybe that's a lever. Um, so I want to wait what's going to come back. And the fact is that we keep the system busy. And I didn't do that online because I heard that this data, if it is online, and presented online will be sent to a server in the USA. And in the USA, there's no Data Privacy Act in place. And this is why I prohibited the forwarding of data to people outside of the application of our Data Protection Act. And that is included in my letter. So, again, that is the question, where are we going? Of course, first of all, our politics wants to collect data. And the current situation uh, doesn't allow us to take expropriations, but we have to fear that the political situation and the respective legal situation will change to our disadvantage and that it is important now that we uh, make clear we are vigilant and uh, make sure what you do with our data. And I'm sure that if data protection experts look at that, there is room for improvement. I'm happy for constructive criticism. If I thought of a sample letter, there were some comments uh, made, and I always uh, put them in. Uh, it is important that we look at this topic and say we shouldn't just uh, jump any stick that they hold in our front um, in their panic, which we have also in the resistance um, community, but we have to be very vigilant about what the state wants to do with our private wealth. That is what I want to, to, to compute contribute here. A little note aside, uh, the regulations on how to do that um, 
mortgages and so on are available on the internet webpage of the Federal Ministry of Justice. <coughs> Exactly, these paragraphs 16 to 227 are not there. So um, I have went through the written versions. In the latest version, these um, paragraphs are not there either. So you have to go back to historical versions. So I said transparency is something different than this. Why not? Um, publish the legal acts in their full wording. <clears throat> it's a service that they do with any other legal act. Why don't you do that in this case? Martin, you can't say it that way, but I can. After all, that we've heard from all uh, areas of the overall picture, uh, history, geopolitics, medicine, uh, legal uh, system, uh, economy, have heard the following picture arises. Of course, uh, as you verified, there is no uh, legal framework right now for this factual uh, disappropriation to uh, pay for the vaccination damage. But this seems to be the general trajectory. You uh, quoted Katrin Göring Eckhardt earlier on. If I look at that, then the following picture arises. First of all, our politicians are not our politicians, but they are the enablers of the agenda of the WEF. Uh, enablers because they're nearly uh, all of them from this uh, Young Global Leaguers program. They don't work for us, but for the other side. I wouldn't uh, say that all of them do, but the majority. And I do um, think that uh, those who are responsible for the ultimate uh, legislation are, uh, and they're all financed by them, as Ms. von der Leyen is, obviously. Secondly, what we see as a pandemic here is um, put into place artificially in order to impose vaccinations at the end of the day these uh, so-called vaccinations, as we've seen uh, now um, at nauseum, uh, cause severe damage. Thirdly, those people who are ultimately responsible, we know uh, uh, some of the puppeteers, but not all of them, but the people who have taken us to this situation now want us to pay for this damage. I think that is something that we could at least become irate about if it um, emerges as the truth at the end of the day. But that is the image that arises. And I'm really happy that you uh, uh, um, tackled this uh, at the forefront like a normal citizen, but much more than most normal people do, uh, because you go far beyond um, uh, the pale. Uh, as you said, what's going to be interesting is the response uh, to your letter. If they are wishy-washy, you know, um, red alert. Um, but it could be that, um, and I wouldn't expect it, but they might uh, really show and prove that they are interested in uh, data protection and you as a person. But if I see that the whole thing has been on ongoing since 2008, that the EU directive has been waiting to be translated, opposed international law uh, since 2008, the um, uh, Burden Sharing Act has been uh, modified. All the preparations have been made to prepare 
uh, disappropriation, uh, and it ties in with uh, Klaus Schwab that uh, we don't need our own car, that we can all share them. And I, um, I've seen in on the internet that uh, some people believe that Klaus Schwab doesn't need any money but a coffin. Um, and those are worrying trends, and I'm very happy that you apply your legal expertise to this and uh, uh, coax uh, these people out of um, their moats. What happens if you simply don't answer? Well, simply not answering is subject to uh, fines. However, all sorts of tricks have been tried. Uh, they can say, we didn't receive it. They can say, oh, the dog uh, took the uh, letter from the letterbox and, and, and um, destroyed it. And one had, an, had the idea that um, if you don't send it back, then uh, there might be an agent visiting you to uh, interview you. Uh, and then you might, of course, say, I'm so afraid of corona. I expect this agent to be uh, boosted, and um, then the answer was, okay, then uh, let's let it go. And I never looked into this, uh, but it could be someone who just uh, took a piss, really, about all this. Uh, I uh, decided that I will answer to it. Um, I have already, but it doesn't seem to have its uh, way to where it should go, but I answer uh, in writing, not online, and I'll answer with uh, the accompanying um, letter that uh, refers to uh, data protection. Um, the, um, but, uh, the, the Census Act uh, refers to data protection, but it uh, says only that it must not be used for individual case uh, decisions, i.e. not for administrative um, uh, matters, but uh, for legal action and then uh, laws that would allow um, for disappropriation. So it's not anything that's comforting. The only thing that is good, and I share your view here, is that if we have to fight this legally, this time in the courts we will probably hope for a positive resonance because most of the judges have a house which they want to keep as well. Right. Who would want that anyway? Yeah, who would want it anyway? Yes. So anyway, for that, we, of course, I, with this letter, I express that I don't trust anybody. I don't trust these who are panicking now and say that's we're gonna we all we're gonna expropriate it, be expropriated. But I don't uh, check trusted fact checkers who say it's all conspiracy. I say trust is, and that is something that I would um, tell our secret services and our uh, saying lots of the reasons is mistrust. Well, trust is an emotion that I can't presuppose and that I can't demand which I have to work for, especially in a free democracy, it is task of the um, state empowerment to be trusted. Not a parliament, not a judge, not a court or anybody else. Um, if I break it down to the people, not a judge, nor an officer or a, an MP 
can expect that um, they will be trusted. No, simply not. The uh, check of, ba uh, of the balance of powers um, saying that uh, all powers are in check based on a basic fundamental mistrust against people who accumulate too much power in their hands. Yeah. That's why we have the balance of powers and um, it doesn't work really so much. Just as a little side story, I have a complaint um, on a mask mandate at the moment, um, which was decision by a single judge and that is in a state court at the moment where it should go. It was decision in a local court who um, seems to be allocated to that. So they seems to be um, um, promoted. So I complained about that and uh, complained that it was the wrong court who took care of that. If this is true that this person for testing uh, for a later promotion, this judge, then his uh, promotion will depend on the vote of the minister. And it's quite clear that he's not going to be able to decide anything um, if he doesn't want to risk his career, which um, co doesn't correspond to the official narrative. So, of course, this guy is a judge, but in this concrete case, he's not a judge in the sense of the law, um, which would mean that he's independent and only subject to the law. And that's what I told him. Check of powers doesn't work with separation of powers, so we have to have a capacity in the legal system um, that is detached, detached from uh, the powers of the other two sectors. That's super interesting, Martin. I just have a case where I'm representing a client against a bank. The bank wants to uh, have compensation for non-acceptance uh, to the tune of 15,000 euro because a, um, a mortgage was not um, accepted because um, that was needed for the sale of a property, but because the property wasn't sold. And this is pending at a, uh, a court uh, where we have the same uh, line of reasoning, because we're saying money is created out of nothing here, has been for many years. And if if I don't give cash to um, someone who gets uh, takes out a loan, um, but if I just uh, credit them uh, that money on their uh, account, then this is created out of nothing, and that is even accepted by the public authorities. It's difficult to understand for most people, but it's the reality. In 1996, 97, an American uh, court. Uh, ruled in the same vein, uh, vein because they said you don't have to uh, compensate or pay interest because if the bank just creates it out of nothing uh, and then it don't do that and then you have to repay it plus interest, then that's wrong, just wrong, plain wrong. And that's uh, uh, why you're right. A court of the district court, uh, the same district court where it comes from, now uh, is delegated uh, 
to this Senate at the upper district courts um, for purpose of a further um, a promotion. Uh, he won't uh, actually uh, counteract their, um, their superior. In the past, that was different. Banks uh, used to collect money, then they had 100,000 euro in the bank, then they uh, gave 2% of interest uh, to the depositor, and then uh, the bank lo uh, gave it on loan to someone else, took a higher interest, and the margin was what people, uh, what the banks earned money on, and that is what people and judges still uh, think. But no, money is created out of nothing, and um, this is shown um, by the fact how um, money is created by just printing it now in this uh, environment. So um, I've never had that uh, notion. Actually, that's another argument for my client to um, intervene here. Um, division of uh, powers and separation of powers. Yeah, I'll send you that. I'll send you that document so that you can look up the details. Well, Coming back to the topic that we were discussing of the census, we're saying, okay, we would like to trust you, but give us a reason. And that's the goal of this letter. I want to know what they want to do with the data. And we'll have to see what the outcome is if there is no satisfactory uh, answer, we'll have to carry on with the data protection issue. I think the most important thing is that I say I want to have a data protection declaration. I want to know who gets the data, what you're going to do with this. There are some points that point this out uh, in the law, but I want to have that in a declaration of data protection by the government in written. Um, so, that is one thing that is allowed to do, and the second thing is that's being done. If both of them would agree, we wouldn't need to have uh, lawyers. We live of exactly that difference as lawyers, and that means we want to have some information on that. There was also this uh, question of trust that you mentioned. I would like to make a distinction between trust and justified trust. Justified trust is when you can always verify whether your trust is justified or not. And if you can't do that, if there's no transparency involved, then it's not trust, then it's the hope that things will go right. And that's two completely different things. Trust must be justified, and only justified trust is the basis for entrusting someone with something. But if I can't verify, then I uh, don't uh, trust. And if transparency is in place, then the person who is entrusted with something that they know, I can check at any time. And then they won't as easily try to uh, abuse my trust. So transparency ensures that uh, because everybody knows that uh, things can be uh, checked, well, if things are transparent, then there's less um, uh, criminality happen, happening. It has to do with the possibility of using the transparency. And that is one of the reasons why I believe that it has to be 
um, clear who you entrust with something. It's a question of structures, of size, of transparency. And if it some, happens somewhere in Europe and the data are uh, uh, shuffled anywhere around Europe, then it's very difficult to make uh, to create transparency. That has been lost. The bigger this whole thing became and uh, how um, uh, uh, the more intransparency it got. And if your business partners can uh, hide behind uh, business secrets, then there's no transparency, then there's no uh, justification, and we can only hope that um, data That's isn't abused. That's why I try to draw the overall picture that we have been concluding to due to our work on the committee. And here, that completely justifies what Martin said, that trust has to be earned, uh, especially with people where I have to assume that they work for the other side. For exactly these private partners in the private-public partnerships that got all our public uh, institutions under control. It can't be the case that I blindly um, entrust them with my data, and that's why Martin's conclusion is the only possible right one. Apart, only the fact is that uh, most people are not able to strategically and legally act correctly. That's why it's so important that we provide Martin's sample letter to a broad and international uh, community, because this is a tactical movement that you have to make here in order to check um, what I can expect from the people who get the data. At the moment, I could only suspect nothing good. As you just mentioned, my unfortunate uh, namesake from Davos. Yeah, I think you'd forwarded this article to me where Klaus Schwab predicts um, or, or demands the end of private ownership of um, passenger car of ve um, uh, motor vehicles. I don't uh, wish him dead. I wish uh, the end of his influence. That would be enough. Yes, because that influence is sick. It is sick and it makes sick. And unfortunately, as we see now, it is lethal. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I think we would have somebody here to interview Dr. Ariana Love, but we'll have to postpone that because we don't seem to get into contact with her. The line failed somehow. She's uh, not available by email or by phone. So I would say for today, we have a bit of a shorter session, but very, very fruitful. I think these were very, very important and practical points that we looked at from the beginning to the end in this session, starting from an artistic, playful point of view, funny point of view, and then from Beata, Ulrike, sorry, um, the keto diet, I think many people are going to jump on on that, and now from you, um, not limited to Germany, but worldwide, more and more important question that the other side is trying to find out, um, and that's my personal opinion, how they can get us and get our buildings and our houses from us. I think that was very, very helpful. Viviane, what's your view? What's your take? Yeah, I think today we 
Well, I guess did a good job, and I think it was really interesting and inspiring. Um, I think this uh, Keta thing was really extremely interesting because you really wonder, you know, garbage in, garbage out uh, seems to um, prove in, um, um, well, nutrition as well. And I find it fascinating that if you uh, consider um, what is our physiological setup as people, how our um, uh, nutrition was in the past, we uh, seem to be optimized uh, for this type of um, uh, food and not crisps or whatever was added afterwards. So, yeah, it was great. Although chips and gums have a high nutritional value, don't they? You see that in many people, how, how healthy they are. Well, they have much more fun factor, of course, which is also uh, conditioning that happens here, like uh, in the past. I would have loved honey, and it's probably much uh, healthier because it's also anti-inflammatory. Um, there's a special honey from Australia, I believe, um, uh, with something with M. And uh, I'm, um, it's generally like this propolis, for instance, uh, that the bees uh, make as well. It's also extremely anti-inflammatory. I found it shocking that when you consider uh, that all of those things that seem to be in, uh, in the uh, vaccines, spike lipids, etc., that they're all inflammatory uh, fostering. All the other aspects that you mentioned, almost like as if it was optimized to creating a condition where people develop uh, inflammations everywhere and uh, problems with thrombosis, etc., etc. Uh, it's really frightening. Well, that's why I asked. Um, we don't see any positive effects of these mRNA injections. Well, here Ariana Love seems to be back online, so let's try if we can get her into the discussion. Martin, anyway, thank you, goodbye. Wolfgang uh, luckily is still here <clears throat> because I probably will need him in a moment with his expertise. Let's try. She's just coming into the call. So let me start to introduce her. We'll have to swap to English. So, Dr. She's a naturopathic doctor and investigative journalist. Her elder son was vaccine injured at age two and diagnosed with high functioning autism at age seven. She applied her knowledge of naturopathic medicine and designed a dietary protocol that resulted in a near total reversal of her son's debilitating symptoms. In 2017, she was awarded the official title of Goodwill Ambassador to Palestine via the Palestinian authorities. She's going to talk about COVID-19 vaccine patents that they're able to target and permanently delete genetic codes on genetic lineages in humans and also encode new genetic sequences into the genome of targeted cells about the role of gene deletion in autism or AIDS. 
She's also going to talk about the 115 different animal venoms contained within the spike protein and about the transmissibility of this bioweapon using graphene oxide nanoparticles as vectors. Um, this is probably or maybe the essence of what she's going to tell us. They're not using viruses in any vaccines. It's always been deadly bacteria extractions like E. coli to create lab-generated mycoplasmas, and this is the root cause of all chronic illness. It, um, it could be, it could very well be that this coincides with um, the uh, conclusion that uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits um, has also drawn after having been so close to the people who are or some of the people who uh, we think are behind this, uh, Fauci, Dr. Fauci from the United States included. So she's going to be with us any minute now. Um, let's see what she has to tell us about the uh, about how to reverse uh, autism or vaccine-induced autism. Um, Solange sie noch nicht da ist, Rainer, yeah. kann ich sagen. I'm always opposed uh, to fear-mongering. We can see so many people who see the worst, and that's why it's so important to avoid unnecessary fears, really uh, digging to the bottom of things. And if anybody comes up with uh, n uh, news um, that are frightening, they have to uh, uh, prove uh, um, their point, and I'm not sure if you can go all of the uh, to the bottom of all of these things that you just mentioned. No, it's good to say this. It's a kind of disclaimer, anyway. I know that some of the things that are being said, there will be a counter reaction, but that's okay. That's fine. Uh, we don't want to say that we know everything and we've got all the wisdom, and we didn't say um, that we could agree to all of what's been said. Vivianis made this clear in the beginning. We said we are listening to the different sides and everybody got to come to their own conclusion. If we get better insights, we will comment it. I'm happy, Wolfgang, that you are with us now because that's going to be quite uh, medical and issues that you as a doctor will be better to assess than we will. Okay, Ariania, since Sie da. Yes, hi, Dr. Uh, Fulmik. Hey, what happened? <laughs> nice to you see you. You got lost. <laughs> um, I think I mixed the time. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. So I just read what uh, Corvin prepared for us. You're a naturopathic doctor, investigative journalist, and you applied your knowledge as a naturopath um, in order to cure your son, who was vaccine injured at age two, and then you managed to uh, reverse pretty much all of the uh, symptoms at uh, the uh, autism symptoms by applying what you have learned is is that really true that's really true wow yeah i mm -hmm. mean he was quite severely injured i mean he was um non-responsive so i could enter the room and say his name 10 20 times stick my face close to his face and he wouldn't really um look up or or respond Sometimes he would, but most of the times he didn't. And then after putting him on this specialized diet, I just took matters into my own hands because the diagnosis took about three years and uh, I couldn't wait anymore to um, give him relief. So 
I tried the diet, a specialized diet. And then literally within two weeks, he was a different kid. I'd walk in the room, say his name. He'd look up, what mom? <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. So it's totally doable. And I've helped people since then with children with autism to reverse most of it. Um, we, I've heard the same story um, from someone else, and that is uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits. Uh, she is, uh, she's, she's done a lot uh, with respect to autism. I think she's going to take part this month. Actually, she's going to take part in another. Um, uh, I guess it's a conference on autism, Autism One, or something like that, um, and it's going to be. That particular meeting is going to be held in, uh, in, in I believe, Phoenix, Arizona, or maybe Mesa, I'm not sure, but someplace in Arizona. Um, have you spoken to her? Not directly, but uh -huh. I would really like to. I have a lot of admir admiration for Dr. Mikevitz. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty cool um, and tough. <laughs> and um, what is what kind of diet is that you're talking about? You know, earlier today, we spoke with Professor Ulrika Kemmerer, um, he, she's a microbiologist and an immunologist from the University of Würzburg in Bavaria. And she explained to us about the values of a ketogenic diet. What is your diet in that case? Well, I found that uh, children with high-functioning autism, they all have, have an intolerance to gluten. That's mm -hmm. the main thing. They can't digest it. So it leaks from the, from the intestines into the bloodstream. And when it reaches the brain, it creates like um, a hallucinogen effect. Mm -hmm. So this is why there's so much in their own world. And, you know, they can even have nightmares and, and things like that. Uh, and then also this intolerance to dairy for some reason. So what I did is I removed gluten and dairy. Mm -hmm. And then um, incorporated at the time I incorporated a, a product called stem tech, mm -hmm. uh, which are super nutrients that make your adult stem cells start producing again in the body. And back then the company only got the adult stem cell production up to 20%. Now they have it up to 53%. Mm -hmm. And then in my protocol, I've gotten it up to maybe about 60, 63%. So this is pretty phenomenal because they've put trillions of dollars into stem cell research to try to figure out how to get the adult stem cells to start producing again, super nutrients. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I also gave him blue-green algae, which is the most nutrient dense food known to man. And it chelates the blood of heavy metals. And uh, it also binds to graphene oxide nanoparticles. I mean, I don't have the studies on that, but I believe so because it does bind to metals. So, yeah, it would, took about two weeks and he just completely turned around. I had him on this diet for three months. And then after that, I think new pathways were created in his brain and all of his allergies seemed to be gone and he was able to eat anything. Oh, wow. I, you know, he didn't have too much. Yeah, I, I monitored his diet. I'm, you know, always making healthy foods. But pretty much he was able to live a normal life and people could not tell he was high functioning autistic unless they studied it, mm -hmm. then they could pick it up. Uh -huh. but, so, um, so can he now, is he uh, completely cured? Um, he, he, he was for the most part until he went into the army in wow. Finland in the Finnish, you know, did his nine months mandatory service and they jabbed him with a flu vaccine. Oh. And apparently it was the MRNA nanotechnology. And I had to put him on my protocol. And I mean, he became autistic again 
and almost catatonic really and unable to speak for months and i finally put things the pieces together and realized that oh boy he's been vaccine injured again but this time with more dangerous technology so i witnessed that ip36 deletion syndrome up close mm -hmm. and personal and the reversal of it not completely but um maybe halfway you know he he's responsive again and talking and um he'll probably kill me for talking about him but <laughs> i just won't send him this video <laughs> But, but it's, now he's it's important that people hear about this <laughs> but but he's on a she's he's on a good way right now he's yeah i got i got him i mean for months he wasn't talking mm, and wow. i mean i just saw that complete lobotomization in the frontal cortex of his brain oh. i've researched all of that as well and and found the proof of it but um to see it up close and personal i've seen it in some of my clients as well and they can come back um, the person will start to come back naturally and the body will repair itself as long as they're not, a person is not continuously being poisoned. Um, but um, there's ways to speed up the process of bringing someone back. Mm -hmm. So you have to detoxify their body completely from all the poisons and then, you know, get the technology out and then, um, blast their body with super nutrients and other things. I mean, we could get into that maybe a little bit later. Okay. Well, um, I, I read here that um, as far as the COVID-19 vaccine patents are concerned, um, you believe that they're able to target and permanently delete genetic codes and genetic lineages in humans and also encode new genetic sequences into the genome of targeted cells. Um, what does that mean? Because this is in connection with autism and AIDS. What does that mean? Okay. Well, it's a mouthful to reply to, and I mm -hmm. have my notes here. Um, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail about how they're how they're transfecting human cells. Mm -hmm. We do have a study out of um, Sweden, right? That recently that um, yes. proves that the mRNA is transcribing into the DNA. So yeah, I um, they're Peter using. Peter talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're using um, three different um, microscopic organisms. They're using uh, hydras, parasites, and worms um, as carriers of the messenger RNA. Mm -hmm. um, so what that means, for example, the hydra vulgaris, um, it was first identified by Dr. Carrie Madej and aired on Stu Peter's show in um, September of 2021. And that got my attention. I'm like, what is this doing in, in these vials, you know? And so I started researching and I found a plethora of information and wrote my first article. Um, this was before I even got into the patents. So this hydra vulgaris is, um, the transgen is the transgenesis technology that was developed over the last 30 years. And it's for transferring genes and organisms from one species to another and for creating a new cloned species. So this technology that they're using now in humans, the mRNA nanotechnology, it is a cloning technology. And it says so in the studies and in the patents, they specify that. So the, the masks, the PCR kits, they are all cloning devices. And this is on NIH website. I can give you all the links. Um, the masks contain hydrogels, and you know we've people have identified that, and it that contains an entire the entire cloning system 
same with the PCR. Um, and um, and then it's also the the injections. Okay. So yeah. I'm sorry, but you you tell us so many different things that I cannot bring them together now that they have to do oh. with each other. So you, you okay. spoke about, for instance, the 1P36 syndrome, which yes. is a very rare genetic disease, which is inherited in most of the cases. And you spoke about the, the, the Swedish study of changing DNA. Mm. And uh, now you're speaking about completely different things. So, so if we want to discuss those things, we should have more time for the single topics. Okay. I would be very interested in discussing. All right. Them. I'll keep it. I'll try to keep it simple and slow okay. down. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. I'm not good at that, but I'll do it. <laughs> I always try to cram too much information, and there's so much information. Um, okay, so the I, the 1P36 gene deletion, the, what the studies say is that it, the deletion syndrome, it's due to gene deletion, targeted gene deletion in the brain. And what I found in the studies and documented is that they are knocking out, knockout means a complete deletion, of the X chromosome in three different regions of the brain that they're targeting. It's like surgical strikes with nano robots. And they are first deleting the X chromosome, which is the E1 gene. Um, when you do that in the frontal cortex of the brain, it induces autism and autism spectrum disorder in those three regions of the brain. Okay, so this um, is, this, the disease is known because it's in some cases, in 20% of the cases, it's an inherited disease. It is, uh, if, if two, both parents have it, you might have, might have children who have this disease. And it's not inherited. That's what they say. No, that's what they say. 20% is not inherited. 20% I don't think so. This I don't think anymore. What I mean, that's what it- literature. literature. They groom us to be for what what they're preparing to do to us so they start to release information like two three years before they launch the attack and they say words they want us to believe but there are so many lies in um you know um you have to know i don't know i've, I've done so much research that i have documents proving that it's due to g all of the studies say it's gene deletion not that it's some inherited thing when you're born. There are some websites that say that, but I don't believe them because the studies say something else. You, so, it would, I would be very uh, interested in the studies you you take as as uh, as a background of your of your words because I I used to work in a in an institution where which were all those people trying to give consultants to parents who are afraid of genetic diseases when they get newborn mm -hmm. children. And uh, I know that this is a very rare disease and there's, there's very few cases. And I would be very interested where, where this, this overview comes from and who's collecting such data and why and with, with which method, because I don't want to, I think it's not enough to believe something. It's, we have to, we have to be skeptical about all informations we get from each side. I don't, of course. if someone is on the right side, I don't stop asking questions, sorry. 
No, you don't have to apologize for that. I totally get it. I mean, I, I would never talk so freely about it, these things, except that I've documented it all. It all. I've seen the evidence myself, so I, I can speak about it with confidence. Mm -hmm. But And I've got it all on my uh, blog, my website. Yeah. When you, you told us your son got this disease. And it's not uh, a disease. How did, no, how this, this chromosome uh, uh, defect. Disorder, yeah, defect. Disorder, yes, after he got the vaccinations in, in the army. How did you make the, um, how make you, did you make the, the diagnosis? How did you find out? Right. Well, I compared what he was going through, what I witnessed him experience, you know, what happened to him in front of my eyes. Um, I compared it to what's been what I've seen in my clients. So I've seen the same you thing. In you only had to claim you didn't have a genetic analysis or something like that. No, of course, I don't have a science lab. Yeah, mm. I do, you know, use the old fashioned, good old fashioned medicine, which is, you know, you diagnose based on symptoms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe so. Classic maybe traditional medicine. Good old way of diagnosis to have a yeah. differential with the diagnosis and to find out whether there are other reasons why you can have this this the symptoms. So this would be very important to find out which of the most possible reasons right. could be uh, could be the one which is valid in this case. Well, I think it's possible that they could be um, people, kids are born with this disorder, and it's probably due to the vaccines that their parents had. Mm -hmm. I believe it's all pharma induced based on the studies that I've researched and documented. That is precisely, I believe so. That is precisely what Judy Mikovits also believes after having been in this business, um, quote unquote business. Wow. Well, it is a business. Um, since the early 1980s and she's taken a really close look um so in that sense it makes sense um it's the the thing is um we have to be very careful to not assume anything and i know you're not doing that that's why you're referring to all these studies that uh you base your diagnosis on um the the weird thing is in my view that um, the same thing happened to your son after the first vaccinations that he got as a child. And then another jab um, when he entered the army or was it was he sent overseas uh, to Finland and then he had to get another shot? I mean, this is what happened to most soldiers, happens to most soldiers when they're sent over broad, uh, uh, abroad. I'm sorry. Um, they have to take numerous uh, shots. I am, I've never been, I've never been what they now call a vaccine denier. I am now, after everything we've seen and heard about what these shots are doing, and after uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits explains to me that um, over and over again, she does it and she did it, uh, that the cell lines, which they use in order to create the, um, uh, the, the uh, vaccines have been um, well, um, po I guess poisoned is the right term to use since the early 1960s, maybe even earlier. So anything you can catch from these vaccines makes sense when you start from that basis because uh, there's uh, uh, mice or mouse cells in there. There's uh, um, uh, human fetuses in there so anything can happen i suppose what what do you think 
what is it that causes, in your particular case or in your son's case, that causes autism? <clears throat> well, his um, he did a nine-month mandatory service in Finland, and it was the Finnish government that jabbed him. Uh -huh. um, if I knew they were going to administer it, I would have warned him, but I, I didn't know. He came home one day and told me, and they called it a flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, that was 2018. Mm -hmm. But what I found out, and I have a study that proves that, that pharma was um, testing the mRNA nanotechnology in their flu, in flu vaccines since mm -hmm. 2015. Mm -hmm. So militaries are notorious for experimenting on, on yes. the troops. Yes. Um, yeah, and it, it took a little while for me to realize that wasn't a, a normal flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, I think Dr. Mikovits is, is absolutely correct. And I, you know, she's given so many pieces mm -hmm. to the, to the puzzle and certainly helped me in my research too, mm -hmm. you know, to go in the right directions. Um, I, I'm just irritated about the diagnosis 1P36 syndrome. And because mm -hmm. I've never heard that you can, that if you have this, that it is going to be repaired, that there is any cure, and if there is any getting better afterwards. I've never heard that. Yeah. See, I'm so outside of the system. My whole life, I'm a second-generation naturopathic doctor. I've never, ever subscribed to allopathic medicine. I've been always against it. I've stayed out of hospitals my whole life. My parents raised me that way. I raised my kids, you know, you know treating them at home. Mm -hmm. So my understanding and my approach to medicine is completely different mm -hmm. the root cause of disease to me is toxicity and deficiency and that's it it's simple as that so whenever somebody is diseased or sick they have toxicity or poisoning in the body and the body needs help getting rid of it what i've found is that the human body has the capability of repairing itself of absolutely anything of getting rid of absolutely any poison and i'm seeing it now in my practice with people who are are you know um vax injured so i know it's very different than allopathic medicine mm -hmm. but i'm i'm you could say traditional medicine prior to the rockefeller foundation mm -hmm. in nine that was established in 1909 so it's you know real traditional medicine that what we used to use yeah, that's, that's my that's approach. What, that's what real medicine used to be. That's what they taught at the universities. And then in 1913, I believe it was, the Rockefellers and, you know, the usual suspects decided to turn everything on its head. And I think they hired thousands of teachers and professors who were uh, since then trying to, to delete the memory even of how well um, naturopathic medicine um, uh, worked for the people and introduced allopathy and the pharmaceutical industry more or less. And I, to me, after everything that we've um, learned over the last two and a half years when we, or a little less than that, uh, we were conducting this Corona investigative committee, to me it makes absolute sense what you're saying. Um, but of course, someone who is within this or was within the system, Wolfgang was never really part of the system. He's too unusual to be part of anything. Um, but uh, of course, to him as a doctor, 
an experienced doctor, lung specialist, uh, he needs to ask questions. I think this is good. This is good for science. This is good for getting us ahead. I can I can also address something that I get asked quite often, like mm -hmm. because when the cells are cloned with the messenger RNA and, you know, genes are deleted, new sequence, artificial genetic sequence is coded into the genome. How is that reversible? This is what people ask. Mm -hmm. Well, it isn't. Truth is those cells are goners mm -hmm. that when you delete genes, it's permanent. You can't get that back in that cell. But we have trillions of cells in our body and they can't transfect all of them. This is why they want repeated injections uh -huh. because this is a cloning process and they have to keep the body poisoned in order for their technology to work. The nanotechnology can only disassemble, reassemble and self-replicate when the body is hypoxic, when the cells are in oxidative stress, when the mitochondria is in a reactive oxygen species, when the body is essentially poison mm. and acidic, they have to keep it acidic and then the nanotechnology works. When the body is put back into a, a state of homeostasis or balanced pH, mm. then the nanotechnology cancels and is flushed out of the body. So this is in the studies. Mm. Um, and so when it comes to reversing, for example, the lobotomization in the frontal cortex, you know, the, the 1P36 gene deletion syndrome, or, or deletion syndrome, it's called. Um, how that's reversible is that those cells, okay, when, when the body is balanced again, the body starts to repair itself and does what the body naturally does. It will isolate those cells as dead cells mm -hmm. because they don't contain the God-given genetic codes anymore. So the body will identify them and get rid of them. And then your, your cells, as your cells start to replicate again, you know, and if you if you boost up the adult stem cell production, this is very important, then the, the body can rapidly recover. And and in that case, um, it's through the cellular replication, which takes a little bit of time that you get a person back. But, you know, most cells have replicated in the body after just two years. Mm -hmm. You know, this so, I, you know, it's I, a process. I think, I think you're right that there. We've, the Swedish study says that the repair mechanisms of the DNA is uh, damaged. is damaged, yeah. and this is why this is why the cells are not able to to adjust to new tasks. They are not able to 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 learn anymore, and mm. uh, we have we need those immune cells. It's it's mostly the immune cells which are very very important in that in such cases. We need those immune cells. To, to detect cancer cells, to detect infected cells or toxic, toxically damaged cells, and they will find them and they will neutralize them or eat them or do something with them that they are no longer damaging us. And it's a it's a matter of also a matter of, of quantity. If you have lots of damage, you the, it will be very difficult for the cells to, to manage all this damage. But if you if it's a, if you have a very strong immune system, there is a balance that the immune system may keep this together. We just learned about the right food that you, which with which you can manage to to get rid of even of a growing cancer. That your immune system gets stronger, and that you shift the balance to the good side, to the better side, and that you can survive for many years. This is possible. 
but the the, the diagnosis you were mentioning uh, this this uh, brain damage which is happening with this uh, uh, chromosome damage uh, this is mostly we're happening with with children before they are born even and uh, when you there's there typical there's a typical damage and sudden certain parts of the brain don't even grow and i i cannot imagine that such a damage of the of the some brain regions very important brain for speaking for moving for for from uh, yes for many fun important functions that they can be repaired within month or within this is not possible i think and so perhaps it's just that you should think it over whether the diagnosis d uh, 100 and uh, DP 36 is the right is the right diagnosis or not that there was something some death, and that it maybe have to do something with uh, with the intoxication and with the damage of the DNA this may be possible but it's I think it's more complicated and I would not I, I would not agree with you that this is top typical for this uh, 1p 36 uh, yeah mm. disease which you were talking well, about. Well, you, you can, I appreciate your, your feedback, but you can read my article. It's on my blog. Every study, and there's four of them in there, they all link, um, well, there's a bunch of studies in there, but they all link, for example, they link um, gene deletion to autism. And these were just published in recent years, I think in the last three years. Can you so this is us, new. Can you send us the article? Then we'll um, make it available for all of our viewers, because I know a lot of people um, want to know about these things. And I know you have a lot of followers uh, who trust you and who want to learn um, from your mm -hmm. experience. That's why it's so important to be able to um, to support everything that we're uh, trying to tell them so that they can that, that they have a reason to trust us. That's uh, this is we're not um, absolutely we're not um, uh, questioning anything. Uh, we're just trying to get the take a look at all of the different angles that may come into play here. Yeah, I'm used to that. I mean, I've been a journalist <laughs> since 2011. You know, yeah. you can't say anything without backing it up, and I yeah. know how crazy this sounds, but I'm confident because of what I've seen and what I've mm -hmm. researched. I mean, autism is caused by gene deletion, targeted mm. gene deletion in the brain, which means they've been doing this for decades. Yeah, that is and, quite possible. And that's what the studies show. And then you have this rise of autism keeps going up and keeps going up. And like, for example, in, in Ireland, a recent study showed that um, one in 13 children now have are on the autism spectrum. So you know, there's there's also that data to corroborate. Um, but uh, the also along those lines, the gene deletion, um, that's what HIV AIDS is. Mm -hmm. It's the deletion of especially the E1 gene, which is the X chromosome. And that's Anthony Fauci's patent. He owns it. And it's in all of these these shots, mm -hmm. all of the brands. It's it's contained within the lentiviral vector, which is a combination of SARS, MERS, HIV one through three, and SRV one, which induces AIDS. Um, all of the patents mention gene deletion. So, 
they have been playing around with this gene deletion technology since what the 80s mm -hmm. even before that um the u.s military was testing um the adenovirus vectors i think four five and seven on u.s military troops in 1950. that means they had mrna nanotechnology all the way back then I, can I, can I, that's, uh, I, I would ask like a, a, a maybe like a very primitive question, like this gene deletion thing, is that that sounds so permanent? How is this reversible if you like with your treatment, for instance, because that's that's um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. And I know that's really hard for people to wrap their head, their minds around it, you know, and it took me a while too. Um, but the when when you delete the genes, it is permanent. You're basically snapping the DNA in half, and then they're coding an artificial genetic sequence. The only way they can get those cloned cells to replicate in the body is if they keep the body in a state of toxicity mm -hmm. and the cells hypo hypoxic. But when you reverse that, when you put the body back from an acidic poison state into a balanced pH um, and back into, into homeostasis, the body will balance itself. The body will begin to isolate those cloned and damaged cells and start eliminating them. They'll recognize them as dead cells. Yeah. So that, that's what they don't want. They don't want the body to be able to resist this and to resist the poison. And, and another Swedish study that was just released, they found 115 different animal venoms in the spike protein, mm -hmm. which is the glycoprotein S. So they are poisoning the body. And, you know, it's interesting when we talk about the immune system and the T cells or the white blood cells, otherwise known as the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. This is a very important part of the, the, the body's self-defense. And, you know, we have already built within us everything we need to push out any poison or toxin and to balance the body. The body can balance itself from anything except when it's poisoned. Um, that's when the body needs help. So, um, what was I going to say? I've can, just can forgotten. You send us, uh, please send us that study too, because this is one of the major topics that um, we've been discussing. That m we, meaning in this case, some of the American um, uh, um, doctors and uh, scientists who I spoke with while I was in the U.S. for uh, two and a half months or so. Um, about the study about the 115 different animal venoms contained within the spike protein. It does make sense to me after everything I, I heard from these other, um, they're, they're not naturopaths, but they're actually doctors from within the system, but who understand that there's something going on. And I couldn't really believe that because that was just too much for me. But in the meantime, I want to know more about this. So if you have that study, please email it to us and we're going to we're going to make it available to all of our viewers. I think sure, it, I have the study. Okay. I think you're right that there are many many gain of function crimes that we experience now. I think you're very right. And that they tried to make a very toxic thing, toxic spike proteins that we can that we our body starts building when we get this RNA. I think you're right with this. I'm um, 
I, but we spoke about on the other side of the problem, which is our immune system. And we just had Ulrike Kamera here in the first part of, of the session. And she was, she was talking about special nutrition. And she was talking about nutrition, which makes it possible that our body gets stronger and that the immune system gets stronger to eliminate all those dangerous stuff. And this is, a, this is a question of this balance between the immune system and the damage done by those vials. And the more vials you get, the more injections you get, the more and your, your, your immune system is under pressure. And maybe someday it doesn't, it doesn't succeed to defend. And many people die after the first jab already from toxic defects. And the more you get, the more dangerous it becomes. This is for sure. Yeah. But, I think this is very important to, to bring this to, to we had this two discussions today. This, the first discussion we had, this was about the new, uh, good nutrition where you, where, you can, where you can survive and where you can detox your body and feel better. And it depends a lot on, on what you eat. And uh, perhaps we, I don't know whether you can see the first part or whether you observe the first part of our session today, but this would be good if you had this, if we see this both topics together. I'm going to send mm. you, Ariana, I'm going to have Corvin send you the uh, interview we did with um, with uh, Professor Kammerer. It's on, on the uh, ketogenic ketogenic diet. I think it'll make sense to you. Um, what about the transmissibility of this bioweapon using graphene oxide nanoparticles as vectors? We spoke about this a little bit, but I didn't understand all of that with um, Dr. Robert Young. Okay. Yeah, this is what now, of course, um, this is a, a gathering of information from different sources. I mean, this mm -hmm. is my, you know, investigative research and this is what i believe is mm -hmm. happening we know that sars was aerosolized through the sweat glands because that's what dr hodkinson test testified to the to your committee mm -hmm. um he worked on the sars pandemic which was a bioweapons attack mm -hmm. um and the sars is within the lentiviral vector so it's in all of these jabs so we can safely assume they're aerosolized through the sweat glands from that alone. But I also found in studies that that exposure to the graphene oxide nanoparticles is mostly by inhalation, also oral ingestion and skin penetration. These are the three modes of delivery. Mm -hmm. So um, when inhaled, they, they first target the epithelial cells and they um, release their external payload in, into the lung cells, which and they cut the oxygen to the rest of the body. So immediately people become fatigued and groggy and can't, um, their cognition is affected. Then they travel down through the stomach and when they reach the intestines, they release a second internal payload into the body. What the study says is that if the body is, they can, the nanoparticles can only release their payloads when the body is acidic. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a healthy balanced state, balanced pH, the nanoparticles cancel and they flush through the body. So this is um, something I found that I thought was extremely important because the technology can be canceled and it all has to do with our health and our immune system. Mm -hmm. um, can I ask a, a quick question? So this uh, this um, acidic state uh, is that like in 
in everybody, like um, because of the diet that we now have, or is this like a whatever toxic state that uh, you know, so that it maybe doesn't affect uh, so many people? Or do you have five percent like really severe things going on, like from this, like what we said, you know, from these uh, in five percent of the the vials we have or batches we have problems, like from this. Uh, do you remember this? Um, uh, how bad is is your ba is my batch? This uh, this analy analysis. So, uh, can, or is this like? Do are we usually in an acidic state or in a? Or is this artificially induced? PhD. And how is that induced? Okay. So, yeah, when when you're poisoned, your body goes into an acidic state. Mm -hmm. it, it goes into a state of emergency, and you're you're acidic. Um, most people's bodies are acidic because people don't eat healthy. And mm -hmm. for example, coffee in the morning—it's a bad habit, especially now when we're exposed to a bunch of nanoparticles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you want to reduce anything that makes your body acidic. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is diet and pollutions in the environment. But there's a second thing that determines those who are more adversely affected by transmission than others, and that is the genetic type. I find that people who come to me who are adversely affected by these bioweapons have European blood are of European descent, you know, um, like I'm Scots-Irish in my ancestry, and I was very adversely affected for this last, since May last year, and I finally got my immune system up where I can, I can function and I'm not, I'm not so affected. So there is a possibility to get the immune system up. It just took a lot of studying <laughs> and trialing. Um, and so the genetic types, there's genetic targeting. We have data on that, that they are targeting, um, you know, they can do ethnic targeting. I mean, they can, they're trying try to wipe out entire races of, of people is what it looks like to me. Mm -hmm. um, also, the Russians reported that to the UN Security Council based on the documents they found at the US bio labs in Ukraine, mm -hmm. ethnic specific bio weapons. Um, and then I forgot the last part of your question. No, she was, was only asking why. How do we? Uh, how 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 come that uh, people who are susceptible to, to this uh, have an acidic or who, whose body is in an acidic state? Is it artificially induced? And you answered the question. You said, well, part of it has to do with our unhealthy diet, and some of it um, has to do with uh, pollution. So also being dehydrated, like if mm -hmm. your body is not hydrated enough, you don't don't see our bodies are electric and you have to keep the body electrified with electrolytes, you know, things that contain a positive and negative ionic charge that our bodies love that and they thrive. And so if you're if you're dehydrated, you'll all you will also become acidic mm -hmm. and 98% of the world population is in a state of dehydration and 76% is chronic dehydration. These are studies from, I think, like 10 years ago. Um, and that's because most of the water that we drink is acidic based. So, you know, using electrolytes are very important. Salt. Salt is the biggest detoxifier of this weapon system. Salt, clay, and um, what was the other thing? Um, baking soda. Yeah, yeah. I, Robert Young told us about right? that. Arm and Hammer. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so things like borax mm-hmm. are, are used with, you know, vax injured people and it greatly relieves their, their condition. Mm-hmm. Um, like 30 milligrams daily of borax, which is a salt derivative. And, um, also nitric oxide, what they make chlorine dioxide out of, that's a salt derivative. Um, redox molecules, they're isolated from salt. Mm-hmm. Swimming in the ocean, walking in the sea, my, my uh, clients report that the, the Morgellons start coming out of their, of their legs. What? Like they get, they get, yeah, when they walk in the sea or swim in the sea or are near the sea, then the Morgellons start to come out of the body. They don't, they don't like it. It, it, it starts to cancel them. Salt, salt is the big detoxifier. And salt derivatives. I'm swimming now after you told me all this. Huh? I think I go swimming now. I'm close to the sea here. <laughs> He's close to I the think ocean. this is why. <laughs> but this is why they told people. My muggles <laughs> don't swim behind me then. This is why they told people not to go to the sea. This is why they they forbid it because it 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 starts canceling out the technology. It doesn't work as well. Okay. You know, um, in one drop of water, we have more than 10 million viruses. You know this? In the sea. In the sea. Okay. So you're never alone in the sea. Well, I don't know if I believe in viruses anymore, to, to be honest. Yeah, there, like, are a lot uh, of, because... there, there are a lot of people taking a deep dive into whether or not, two questions really whether or not viruses <laughs> exist at all. But then there's another group of people who are debating and trying to look into whether this particular virus has ever been isolated correctly. So that's that's really two different questions, but we'll see, because I know there's an effort going on right now, um, and some of the people who I uh, greatly respect are involved in this. So we'll see what, what they come up with. But you told us Here's about lentivirus. So you, you believe in lentivirus? Well, lentivirus, see what I've found from reading, I, I read all the patents on these COVID shots, read them all. And there's no viruses being used whatsoever, but they call their bioweapons viruses like lentivirus, like mm-hmm. phylovirus. Mm-hmm. They'll call it a virus, but it's actually a gain of function, loss of function, lab generated bioweapon. And I noticed whenever they call something a virus, it's patented. Mm-hmm. It's a patented technology. Mm-hmm. It's um, actually it viruses. The 80s. This started in the 80s that you could patent such a thing. Before there were, it's about 80 years, people were doing research on what is in the nature and what they found out about fags and about bacteria and about smaller entities, and they called mm-hmm. them viruses. And so this is, it didn't start with a patent. It started long before. But it's, here's right. But here's the thing: you're it's, saying it's all. It's they're not using viruses in any vaccine. It's always been deadly bacteria extractions like E. coli uh, to create lab-generated mycoplasmas, and this is a root cause of all chronic illness. Now, the funny thing is, Ariana, that um, uh, medicine or drugs that work to kill bacteria also seem to be working um, when it comes to um, 
when it comes to fighting COVID. Uh, so that would indeed, as le at least as far as I'm concerned, uh, that would indeed um, lead us to the question, is it really, um, is it really bac bacteria that we're fighting? I don't know. What pharmaceutical drugs? You mean ivermectin? Uh, yeah, right, or... exactly. Ivermectin, yeah. 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 Ivermectin is very effective. It's the only pharmaceutical drug that I recommend mm -hmm. at certain times for mm -hmm. clients. Like I can't, I can't prescribe, but I could, you know, when they ask me if, if it, certain times, yeah, and, it has you know, a place. And, and in addition, but, the fact that they try to, yeah. um, Fauci's protocol, for example, called for treating people in such a way that they would ultimately be worse off than before. I mean, just remember remdesivir. And they tried to keep doctors from prescribing ivermectin. That tells me, again, if you trust these guys, you're lost. And it also points me as a, as a lawyer into the direction of why are they trying to keep people, doctors, from treating people with COVID symptoms uh, with ivermectin when it seems to be working? Because that's what all of the other doctors and naturopaths uh, told us. It does seem to be working really well. Ivermectin works with early intervention mm -hmm. very well. Mm -hmm. But it only works, it's limited mm -hmm. as to what it can do. It only works for about five days. And then, you know, you, you have to detoxify the body after that and build up the immune system. Um, some people are popping it like candy and that's quite <laughs> dangerous because it does it. Yeah, really, mm -hmm. um, you know, out of fear maybe, but it does kill the healthy microbiome in the body. And then you have to replenish, you know, mm -hmm. you have to replenish that because that healthy bacteria is also your immune system. It mm -hmm. helps you, you know, to detox and stuff, but it has a place and it has been suppressed. And the reason why ivermectin is so effective, I think, is because it kills Parasites. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's, that's what I was going to say. I, I just couldn't remember bacteria. It's parasites. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it kills parasites, and they are using the P. falciparum malaria parasite, a genetically modified version, and other parasites. You know, they've been identified. I also found them in the patents. It took some digging, and I documented that um, they actually have a vaccine with using P. falciparum parasites. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so it, it exists. Mm -hmm. um, now, back to the bacteria, there was something I wanted to say about that, about these mycoplasmas. So through my research, I figured out that pharma has been injecting micro, mycoplasmas, which are extractions of bacteria for decades and making people sick, making an industry out of, out of making people sick. Now, mycoplasmas, they're using um, mostly E. coli because they, they extract the part of the DNA that replicates and they genetically modify it and get it to replicate inside the body. So if you go online and you type in mycoplasmas and chronic illness, you're going to get a plethora, page after page of documentation showing that mycoplasmas are found in, in any chronic disease, mycoplasmas are found in the blood they're found in the tissue and even they get lodged in the bone tissue. So they are resistant because they're genetically modified. They're resistant to antibiotics and Western medical treatments and pharmaceutical treatments. 
So they stay in people's bodies decade after decade. And when a person starts to, their immune system starts to go down, decrease, maybe with age or maybe from some kind of injury or trauma or, you know, pollution or something, then the mycoplasmas start to manifest as disease, as symptoms that then get diagnosed through hospitals and doctors who take shots in the dark prescribing different drugs as treatments for pharma. So it's a, it's a racket. It's a big um, money-making industry. And mycoplasmas, we know for a fact that these are biological weapons because they are lab-enhanced, genetically modified. They're using cross-species genomics to make new species, to get them to flourish inside the body and stay there to make people sick later. Mm-hmm. So this is childhood vaccinations have always had and contained mycoplasmas and mycoplasmas do not contain a um, there are back bacteria um, DNA that does not contain a cell lining. Mm-hmm. That's how you know it's lab generated. Well, I think this is so much information and it's so dense and it actually like almost every detail that you that you approach, you know, would would need to to really, you know, requires like a deep, deep dive. Also, when you said like this, this ethnic aspect uh, of the the vaccines or like uh, whatever the shedding or how we, how we could call it, yeah. I mean, ethnic targeting, I mean, we know that I think or it's I think it's known that there was uh, this kind of um, stuff, like at least on a research level in in South Africa, in order to target the black uh, population. And um, you know, so I mean, there's so much to it. I think what maybe because we are, uh, you know, this is is I guess it can also be a little bit uh, too much of or confusing. Like for for I mean, I'm I'm a bit uh, overwhelmed by all the the details that you uh, touched on upon i think it would be good if we could maybe get really like a you know like a list of the different aspects and maybe then a link and then we should like come back together and and discuss like sort of on a level where we are uh, have already immersed ourselves a little bit more intensely into these topics because we are we can just uh, at this point i can only say uh, wow ooh, ah, amazing you know this, this is all uh, as you say it is, um, you know, then it's it's just um, very flabbergasting. Disturbing. Very disturbing. But I, as far as I'm concerned, Ariana, um, much of what you're saying, um, the only reason I can understand it or I can follow you is because I've heard it before from others like uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits. But what we really, I think Vivian is right, what we really should do is do our own research and then come back together. Um, so if you could send us those studies that you referred to, then a Wolfgang will be able to read up on them. And uh, as a doctor, he'll be uh, much better, um, uh, much better um, uh, uh, in a position, uh, in a much better position to uh, understand the medical details. We as lawyers, we can only take in the information and try to make sense of it in a legal way by analyzing it, by by giving it on a legal analysis. So I think we should, um, if we can, if you can do us this favor, uh, we should read up on what you what you told us, and then come back together, and uh, so that we're going to be able to ask more questions, and that our viewers will be able to make more sense of this. Because as Vivian said, this is a lot of information. Some of it is going to scare people shitlessly. <laughs> 
you know, it's the, the way we work is that I am, I am the one who is transferring the medical problems to specialists and, mm -hmm. and collect the information of those specialists. And we try to make a, make a story out of it, which is, which is consistent. And uh, so it's if if there are diverging theories from specialists coming, we have to we need some time to find out uh, how we should deal with them. Mm -hmm. And um, my role is only that I'm that I'm collecting and that I'm giving it to to more specialized people, and I'm discussing with them, and then it comes back. And so we we build we try to build an image of what is happening. And what you gave us are very, very, are many, many parts of a big, big image, mm. and we have to put them into the right, into the right place of of uh, what may be the truth. Mm. And I can assure yeah, I'll be you, ha I'm happy to I'm get sorry. those links over to you. Yes, yeah, great. I'm happy to get them all. You know, yeah. I am, um, as I said, um, I have become skeptical of the official narrative only when when covid started um before that i was i was thinking well maybe the judiciary doesn't really function the way it should but maybe it has to do with uh my the people who work for me the lawyers who work for me wearing a different dress or wearing a different suit or something uh now i know that uh for decades if not longer the system has been infiltrated and things have been stood on its heads I know that we've been lied to. This is, by the way, what my friend or our friend, uh, Professor Martin Schwab says. I just he says I can't believe this. I, there's nothing I can believe anymore. We're going to have to check and recheck everything. Um, and just last night, I spoke with a very good friend of mine. She's a uh, pediatrician and specializes in um, child uh, psychology. She says, forget the system. It's not treating anyone, at least in that particular um, area of medicine, pediatrics, child psychology. All they're doing is they're medicating people. They're drugging people. This is not treatment. That's why she has turned to uh, naturopathic being. A, she's, she's, she's a naturopathic doctor now. That's why I think we need to take a really close look at what you're telling us because this is the mainstream has has been used to traditional or allopathic medicine to me it doesn't make much sense anymore in some cases yes if we really need it for special reasons yes but to me uh, your kind of medicine makes much more sense. But since we're not used to it, since we have to take a fresh look at everything, we need to go into this in much more detail. And I really want to do that. So that if you can send us the links to what the uh, studies and, and give us a, a, an overview of the topics that we spoke about today, which all of them make sense to me, um, I would love to have this discussion again with us better informed. That would be my pleasure too. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Ariana. Um, it's great so to much. have you. It's great to have. Uh, it's great to uh, hear you talk about these things in a um, 
calm way and uh, without uh, I mean some of some of this information is really disturbing definitely disturbing uh, but we have to take a closer look in order to be able to digest it better and then uh, <laughs> and then uh, maybe after uh, a couple of beers or so I'll be able to calm down because this is really disturbing <laughs> I only got about maybe one-third through all the information I was planning on dropping today, but it's good we slow down because um, I realize like I, I tend to go over the top. You know, I've gone so deep dive into research and seen in the last one year I've been like researching seven days a week. But anyway, I really want to to thank you, uh, Reiner, and the the Corona Investigative Committee, everyone for what you do. I mean, you know, it may not be that we can win through the courts because like you said, the infiltration is so it's everywhere. But the court of public opinion exactly. is where we will win, where we're That's winning. Exactly it. And so making this information available to the public is so vitally important. Thank you. I absolutely agree. Thank you, Ariana. And please give us an outline of uh, the topics that you really want to get into, plus the studies, so that next time we'll be, well, not really uh, uh, on par with you, but we'll be able to um, to understand better because thus far I can see you have many points and it coincides and it is confirmed by coincides with and is confirmed by what Judy and others have told me. Uh, but it's a big step for the general public uh, from allopathy yeah. to naturopathy. But I do think it's worth it. It makes sense because the other side doesn't make any sense and anymore. I, I I have more information on that part too of, of exactly how to get this technology out of the body. I can I can share that later at a later point. We'll do that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Ariana. Thanks My again pleasure. and take mm -hmm. care. We'll talk soon. Okay. Ciao. Have a great Ciao. have a great weekend. So Ciao. Much. Yeah, Vivian. Bit some yeah, closing statement, Mom. Yeah. Um, do you want to make a closing statement? Yes a lot, a mouth to chew. Maybe it'd be good if we look at this more closely. We've had this a couple of times that uh, people uh, get loads of information, which is quite obvious to them now, uh, because they have looked into this for a long time. But if you look at the great number of details, each of them opens a world in itself. And um, I think this is uh, something that many people in the audience have not done. And so I think it's good to take these things subject by subject. Well, Wolfgang, maybe you want to add something. Well, I have to, um, I think we have to be careful that we don't um, polarize allopathy on the one hand and natural healing on the other side. It's not as easy as that. Um, in uh, natural, um, uh, healing, there are many uh, money racketers, etc., and the same goes for allopathy. But uh, sometimes there are important things that have been researched, so it's really so difficult to find something. We have to uh, try to uh, give recommendations to people. Uh, also, the people who work in natural healing, we have to give recommendations of who they can trust because they are questioned. We have discussed uh, them, we have uh, checked them, and because we say we're not sure if we're not sure, uh, and rather than pretend like we know everything. 
Um, I think it's important that we don't uh, forget to doubt, but that we then identify uh, the things that can be recommended um, as state-of-the-art. And um, if you look into something, uh, it becomes very difficult, and then you have a, a tunnel vision on these things, and you uh, fail to see anything left, right, and center. And um, that applies to anybody in all fields. So I think you take your time and you allow everyone to uh, get a, have a voice. And uh, that's why it's so important what you do. Um, and I would thank you for doing what you do. Thank you, Wolfgang. We've got three clips. One is an Australian nurse, Deborah Conrad, who told us what uh, was going on in hospitals with the so-called corona uh, sick people. We have an Australian doctor who all of a sudden uh, speaks out the truth in a doctor's convention, telling them they're telling the people that the shots are important and oblivious. And there is a va vaccination victim who explains to us that the non-vaccinated um, seem to have been smarter and she wishes to be one of them. Maybe we should put her in contact with Ariana Love. Otherwise, we're at the end of our session. Thank you, Wolfgang, for your help. And Viviane, do you want to say a closing words? Well, I might um, refer back. Um, um, I've mentioned it already. You can order it um, by Sunday um, without uh, mailing uh, charges. We do it uh, through our own uh, shop. Um, you can um, order it online, um, 2020shop.de. So, Wolfgang. Ich kann jetzt sagen, dass mein Buch jetzt doch auf Englisch veröffentlicht wird. Das ist ein weiterer Punkt. Ja, das ist ja schon prima. Oh, well, and then we would like to. Uh, we we uh, rely on voluntary contributions for our work. And I hope that you keep um, appreciating our work and keep supporting our work. And I think over the next few weeks and months, it'll become ever more relevant um, because we can see that there are efforts uh, in all sorts of uh, directions going on again. So we uh, stay um, on it. And I have to say, we didn't have uh, such um, uh, content that was so hard to digest because uh, quite positive uh, content because the um, um, nutrition hints by Ulrike were quite helpful, I think. So um, against this background, I wish you a, a very uh, particularly nice uh, afternoon and weekend. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye, everybody. I can say for sure in 2021, this is the year of pneumonia. Independent of COVID, I've never seen people with so many pneumonia, sepsis, and, and even in the middle of summer, you know, all summer, that's what we would get in the hospitals, pneumonia, pneumonia, pneumonia. After the vaccine rollout, I definitely noticed an uptick in heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, gastrointestinal bleeds, gastrointestinal complaints, appendicitis. Uh, we even saw pancreatitis, recurrent cancers. It was noticeably increased. We're it wasn't just me noticing it, it was everybody seemed to notice it. It became clear to me that there was something wrong. 
I knew nothing of theirs, uh, the vaccine adverse event reporting system. I didn't know about our responsibility to report. It was never even talked about when these vaccines were rolled out. I mean, you'd hear it in the news here and there, but there was never this push to make sure providers were made aware that if you're getting patients in the hospital with issues, these issues, whatever, that here, here, you got to go to this website and start reporting and start paying attention to stuff. That was never educated to us at all. And I went on the website, I looked, and the first thing I noticed was that it said healthcare providers are required by law to report certain adverse reactions to theirs. And I, I said, what do you mean? Like, what law? So, and then you look further, and it had a whole section on it, exactly what you're supposed to report. It's specific things you're supposed to report to VAERS after the COVID vaccine rollout. So that's when I started um, reporting patients on my own. Well, very quickly, that became a full-time job in and of itself. I would say within three weeks to a month, I had already had 50 patients reported. Um, and that was just of the providers that were willing to tell me about patients, recognize that there may be a problem. So I went back to my administration and I said, I need help, you know, I, like I can't do this all myself. It's overwhelming. I'm on the phone with the CDC all the time. I'm on the phone with these patients. I need more people to know about it so they can help me and we can do the right thing. But that was met with then resistance because that's when the vaccines were really starting to get pushed. Everybody's got to get vaccinated. This is how it's going to go. And by me admitting that we need to report because there may be some issues, it would create vaccine hesitancy amongst the healthcare workers, amongst the staff, uh, amongst the other staff, amongst the patients. Well, that's when things changed because I, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't be quiet about it. And what I did was I put envelopes in our emergency room and told many of the providers, hey, if you get a patient that comes in and they just got their vaccine or you think something might be related in any way, go ahead and put their demographics in the envelope and then I'll take care of it and call the patient and get the report done thinking it was only going to be a few reports a week. No, it turned into, like I said, a full-time job very quickly. Why are we not wanting to report this? I don't, I don't know that it's a matter of not wanting to report it. I think the, the position the system has taken is that each provider has a responsibility to report up their own patients. But if the providers aren't provided education on what we're supposed to be reporting and the importance of such, how do they know to do it? But I believe the providers should educate themselves when they're when they're dealing with uh, patients related to COVID vaccination. They don't even realize that these are the, specifically the conditions that we're supposed to be reporting to theirs. So when we had a ton of them, I mean, we get thrombocytopenia, blood spots. Just Tuesday, I think it was, we shipped out, I think, three cardiomyopathies, blood clots. We got a guy on the floor, and well, he just died, I just pronounced him a second ago, who got his shot, and literally two weeks later, the guy ends up with uh, cancer blown out of nowhere, a, a, a portal vein thrombus, like, stroke, I had a lady that, that had a stroke within 48 hours of her vaccine fully on anticoagulation. I had a lady have a bilateral PE and she was on eloquent after her vaccination. I know these are things that are reportable. That our hospital system talked to their risk management team and I was no longer allowed to report on any other patient but patients of my own that I saw where there was a warning. 
that I was told I must support the vaccine effort. Omar, I'm sorry, um, co my colleagues of the AMA, my name is Dr. William Bay, and I'm a GP registrar, and I'm here today to ask you to join with the people of Australia and stop forcing these vaccines on people who are getting killed by them. Dr. Professor Paul Kellyer, he is gaslighting all of you, and there is a, only a 0.27% fatality rate with the infection, and natural immunity has been proven recently in a Qatar study that it gives you 97.3% immunity for life against all variants. All GPs, all doctors of Australia, you are on notice by the people of Queensland. This is the Queensland people's protest and you been warned. You have been warned. The people of Australia are hearing you. One shot, two shots, three shots, four. How many shots before you hit the floor? One shot, two shots, three shots, four. How many shots before you say no more? One shot, two shots, three shots, four. How many shots before more? Case fatality, 0.27%. Natural immunity gives you 97.3% protection for life against all variants forever. Look it up, that's the Qatar study. Look it up, the people need you doctors. Don't let them down. Do not let them down. My name is Dr William Bay and I'm from the Queensland People's Protest and I'm here to say that we must stand with the people of Australia and not let them get injured by this vaccine anymore. They cannot be harmed. They should not be harmed. We must protect them. We must protect I was asked to reply to a comment. What do I think? of people who refuse the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. Um, I've been hurt by the Pfizer vaccine. I have CIDP, chronic inflammation demyelation polyneuropathy. It's changed my life completely. If I had to do it all over again, I would have never got the vaccine. Um, I do work in healthcare, so I do work with patients. So, where I work, we were told, you know, if you get the vaccine, you'll save lives, you won't get sick, you won't die. The media was saying the same thing. So I believed it. Um, my friends that didn't get the vaccine, I thought, how could you not get it? You're going to go home. What if you spread it? What if you have it? You don't know it and you give it to your family members the worst case scenarios were playing out in my head because of what I was seeing inside the facility. We would have cookouts and things like that with my friends. And I had a lot of friends that are unvaccinated and they still aren't vaccinated. We'd have cookouts and at first I was scared to go, go there because I thought, oh my gosh, what if they're spreading COVID? It was like the dumbest thing I've ever thought of now that I think of it. Um, 
and once I started hanging out with them and things, they weren't getting sick. And the ones that did get sick, they got COVID lightly, they were back on their way. I had already gotten my vaccine. I had already started having issues and seeing a neurologist. I totally have changed my mind. They were the smart ones. They were the ones that didn't wear the masks. They were the ones that hung around each other and <laughs> never caught it, never spread it. Some of the ones did get vaccinated because of their jobs. <laughs> but the ones that aren't, I totally commend you and I wish I was one of you. I think very highly of you. And I'm up upset with myself. No job is worth it. No job. <laughs> so there's my answer.